Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. It's so emotional to say goodbye to WCW. We've come to the 10th and final episode of this formation of the NWO series we've been doing. Today, we are doing WCW's Bash at the Beach 1996. I have adored doing this WCW run, and one of the kind of running gags we've had is where, I, I guess this needs context to the listeners, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Where, who is it? It's Sting and the Steiners and Hulk Hogan's music for WCW. God. Are kind of all the same, right? You know, man called Sting, Steiners are great. He's got that red, white, and blue running. Okay. So you joked about three or four episodes ago going, oh, wouldn't it be funny if you mashed them up? <laughs> Guess what I did? <laughs> oh, good grief. <laughs> okay. So in Discord, you've got a little file that's uploaded for you. I do. Okay. I'm going to go three, two, one, and we're both going to hit play, and they should play at the same time. Okay. Uh, before we do, can I suggest going to where the little volume thing is and setting it to half so you can still hear me and everything? Good shout. I am now half volume. Okay, right. Ready? Yep. <laughs> I'm going to cut it into the pod so obviously the listeners can hear it as well. Okay, okay. ready? Right. Three, two, one, play. Oh, I think you're going to love it. American think man <laughs> i mean for a gcse music project that would have got an a star for me <laughs> I mean, i'm no music producer by any means but jesus christ that took me a long time to do <laughs> <laughs> oh that was incredible oh man like when i uh, finally managed to like match the beats and the lyrics so it goes He's American, American man, can't sting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he looks better than expected. He's American made. It's just like, oh, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I finally did it, man. That took me like fucking six, seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a thing of beauty. And if you want anyone, and if you want other wrestling mashups, find Rich at Fanboy Rich on Twitter. Select your favourite wrestling themes. He won't do it for you. Yeah, I know. Shit well. for you. <laughs> if you pay me, I might do it. But no, no. Like, I, I don't even know how to use like audio sequencing software and stuff. I just did that in Premiere where I do all my video editing. I mean, 
you can tell why why wrestle talk is so so keen on you as mm. a nice employee because you've got these skills you bring to the table oh thanks man like, i thought i'd try and make your dreams come true to the best of my capabilities you know i mean i, I was already hideously emotional ahead of uh <laughs> ahead of this episode i mean in, in all seriousness though when we first set out to do this we were both quite dubious about this. We're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to watch 10 weeks of WCW. Yeah. And it's been the best. I, I've messaged you so many times over the course of these like two months being like, these shows are maybe my favorite bit of wrestling ever. <laughs> like, I've watched a lot of wrestling tags, as I know you have as well. Oh my God, WCW in 96 is the fucking best. The fact that, you know, this is the pinnacle in professional wrestling and you say the last couple of months the first pod of this series because of breaks and christmas dropped on the 5th of october it was uploaded oh we spent um, like half a year with wcw what are we doing with our lives <laughs> so think about it in the grand scheme of things since we agreed to do this 10-week run we've had two national lockdowns we found a vac two vaccines approved in the uk to cure said well to protect against covid I've got a new job. You've set a date for your wedding. Mm. You know, WCW makes magic happen. Thank you, Mr. Bishop. I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Like, uh, we should probably get into the show, but just this whole journey has been absolutely sublime and absolutely ridiculous. It's been the very, very best of professional wrestling storytelling have some incredible matches and we've had the utter dregs of wrestling like the worst of the worst as well it's perfect podcasting material man like and as i said on twitter earlier like you were like this is going to be emotional saying goodbye to wcw but this is only goodbye for now tax we are going to have to come back and do more wcw stories in the future because it's so much fun man the problem is, though, I don't think anything is going to beat it. Mm. This is this is the problem. Not only have we had the, the most pivotal moment in the history of professional wrestling with the formation of the NWO, and today we find out who the third man is. But, we but we've seen John Tenter evolve from a shark into a man. <laughs> He's not a shark. He's a man. <laughs> God, seen, Heenan on seen... this show when it comes to Tenter is just so fucking brilliant. <laughs> We've seen how to correctly book a giant Absolutely. for 10 weeks. Yep. We've seen some of the shittest tag teams, and we get two of them on tonight's card with you know Public Enemy and the Nasties. We've got everyone's favorite tag team. One of them is fire. One of them is ice. Do you get it? Do you get it? But no, but no really, do you get it, though? I think it's it because one of them is fire. That's really hot. And one of them is ice. It's really cold. They're Put them together. <laughs> melts, isn't it? <laughs> They're electric in the ring, but don't combine that as well. It's dangerous. Yeah. Earth, Callbacks wind, all fucking day, mate. <laughs> we can do this for hours. Which is why the I series... <laughs> <laughs> I, I like pod series. You like? Yeah, I like Dubsy Dub. <laughs> dub, dub, Dubsy Dub. Mm. I wrestle here once with AJ at end days. <laughs> the Luga reference. <laughs> that was great. WWWCW. <laughs> <laughs> But the the fact is here, so one of the real draws of doing this was being able to actually follow all the undercard storylines. I mean, yeah. Sting and Regal, that was a dream. It's... And it's a real shame we haven't seen Regal since that pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's hilarious how many people have gotten this roster that you start with one set of people and like for two or three weeks they build some stories they think about oh we can do something creative with these people and then they go oh but we've got these guys and they try and do something creative with those people and they fuck off and <laughs> the other guys disappear and it's ridiculous how many people are on this roster fucking think about the people that just have randomly turned up for one show like iceman king parsons <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and uh sergeant craig Pittman, and who do we have greg valentine last week we had eddie guerrero against flair on the first show barely seen eddie since you know what i mean it's it's crazy and you know we we've seen woman manipulate gene oakland he's he's had a lovely time of it Been some filth on this show isn't there these last few shows but, and I know we're going to get into the show very, very shortly, but I just want to say how brilliant Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone have been for this whole run and how disappointing it was that they weren't there for this final show. Absolutely. And obviously Tony's obviously there as the, yep. the main play-by-play, but having Larry not there, it's such a shame that he doesn't do the pay-per-views. Yeah, I never understood why they decided that Dusty would be a better person to have than Zabisco because <laughs> Dusty has funny moments and we enjoy his commentary, obviously. But in terms of quality, Zabisco is levels above Dusty on commentary. He, just during this 10-episode run with Zabisco, has elevated easily into my top five commentators that I will watch more of, learn from. Because if I ever have to do... Because obviously at the moment I do a lot of commentary as just one-man booth. And one time at Wrestling 4 I did colour and one time I did play-by-play. If I ever have to be the colour guy again... Good grief, Larry Zabisco is what I'm just going to study every single week before going up to those shows. Yeah, I remember thinking he was a reasonable commentator. I didn't realize how good he was. So that's really interesting hearing that from a professional commentator, man. That's that's really awesome. So today we are doing the WCW Bash at the Beach 1996, the 7th of July, live on pay-per-view. Obviously, we watched it on the network, though. Uh, yes, a couple of quite big edits on this network version that I'm sure we'll get to later, right? I mean, when it was called Bosch at the Beach, that was the first. <laughs> <game>. <laughs> Do you know which one I'm talking about in the main event? Oh. There was a definite. Uh, oh, hang on. We'll, we'll okay. get there. I'm... All right. We'll get there later. Don't worry. Okay. So we're at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, USA. It's fucking super no vacancy, mate. This place is sold the fuck out. We've been critical of some nitros. We're like, we've got a jam-packed arena. Just don't look over there. <laughs> Whereas this was completely ramoed. This crowd are intense all fucking night. They love it. I mean, there's the odd dip. But, you know, in terms of a pro wrestling crowd in 96, these these this crowd is absolutely hype. It's super redneck at times because we are in Florida, you know. But, um, yeah, they're there pure attitude era crowd in 96 it's great fun man best way to describe them like this this would be the first attitude era crowd cool definitely so tonight from commentary we have the pay-per-view team of tony shivoni tony shivone i can never pronounce it right let's keep it tony shivoni <laughs> and dusty Rhodes. but they are also joined infamously by bobby heenan on tonight's show hashtag ruiner yeah maybe fair play to dusty for leaving his red jacket at home though that was a big miss (laughs) we'll get onto their outfits in a second (laughs) there's an animated shark we're gonna need a bigger boat 
a faux 3D bash at the beach graphic. Very fancy. Uh, but then it zooms out to show wobbly grey text. And you're like, yeah, don't know about that. That reads the hostile takeover. I'm like, you're kind of giving away your plots here. <laughs> Straight from the off. Well, you know, you would have bought the pay-per-view based on the take the takeover. And the vignette that we had to do with the hostile takeover on the, the weeks leading into this pay-per-view. And we see it later. They tagged a bit on at the end for it. But it sets the scene. Again, if you've bought this because like, your friends are raving about it, going, give it a watch. You've got your Dreamcast start of computer game graphics at the beginning. It's very Dreamcast. It's not even like PS1, really. No, it's proper Dreamcast level. Mm. Better than the Saturn, but we've gone Dreamcast level I like it. with it. But... Going in straight away with the vignette, it sets the scene. Because I wouldn't say this is a one-match card, but it's all they want you to think about. Mm. So we got a lovely sharky transition. Not the wrestler. Not Tenta. (laughs) (laughs) Into a video package of the NWO build. And I do mean the NWO build. Nothing else is on this opening video package. It's uh, it's super soap opera, kind of telenovela sort of style. There's lots of slow motion and fading from one shot to the next. It's very dramatic. It literally only shows the segments that included Hall and Nash and their recent goings on. There is. I mean, I don't want to suggest we could have just watched that rather than do the last nine episodes of the pod. <laughs> I mean, it gets the segments over. It does the job. It's not in a big way. It's. it's... It's not the most um, beautifully put together montage. Let's put it that way. Which is strange, considering the budget that WCW had at this time to be able to go on like mon- two hours on Monday night on TNT, as yeah. Bischoff always famously said when he was in with Ted Turner. But the thing I straight away noticed, as we've said before, you can definitely tell on the pay-per-views they don't have TNT crew. Yeah. E- even the pyro level is less even though it does scare the shit out of some of the wrestlers when they come out on this show. <laughs> Absolutely. So, this kind of introduction fancies with some kind of faux 3D bash graphic, again, very fancy, but then does its shitty wobbly transition thing into uh, the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. I immediately was thinking, is that a slightly bigger ring? But I don't think it is. I think it's the same one from Nitro. Yeah, I, d- I didn't notice any difference in the size. I think that's the thing which uh, a lot of the WCW wrestlers mentioned about anyway when they transitioned over to go to WWF and WWE, that the ring was bigger. So they'd go straight into the ring and they'd be, crap, I'm four foot short. <laughs> sure. Or what's known as every WWE superstar these days. <laughs> you should have said AEW, it would have been a bad joke, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they, they buy ads for the less fortunate. <laughs> Mate, Tony Khan, <laughs> so funny. Is he a heel? Is he supposed to be being a heel now nah. by, being, by shitting on impact? Just contestant, you know, like you know when people get frustrated with something else, they'll they'll kind of let loose a little bit or whatever. I think he's just doing that. I think it's fine. I enjoy it though. He better not go all Bischoff. That would be terrible. He needs to stay off screen and just be the backstage guy. I think that's where WWE have always gone wrong, so I'd hate to see them do that. But back 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 to the original Tony <laughs> Khan, Eric Bischoff. <laughs> So, we've got these black ropes, the bright yellow pay-per-view turnbuckles, and let's talk about that set for Bash at the Beach. It's like Baywatch meets In Your House. 
It's amazing. It's the fucking effort. They must have carted in like two tons worth of sand. Or it was just there. <laughs> and they were like, I'm not fucking moving that. <laughs> well, they're like a beach set up in this arena. They were like, ah, fuck it. Just put an entranceway on it. It'll be fine. A couple of lifeguard chairs on it would be uh, absolutely golden. Yeah, it's, it's so impressive, man. The amount of effort they put into it. Because it really looked like, you know, pay-per-view sets nowadays are just the EW's the same fucking set they use for everything. WWE are like, ah, LEDs, that'll do. <laughs> I think that's the big thing with WCW as well. When mm. you look at it, it's they did put an effort into their pay-per-view stages like WWE were doing at the time. But that's what loses the the luster for me for pay-per-view these days and at least when AEW could tour they tried some different things i mean like um double or nothing like slamming moxley and omega through the giant poker chips it's like yes i like a gimmick yeah man like um i think back to a few classic sets like the one with the tlc with the chairs hanging that cena pulled down onto someone i think it was orton I think, uh, I think you... it might have even been Wade Barrett, actually, that one. Oh, okay. Because it was when okay. it was Nexus time. Unless they've done the spot twice. And, and obviously, everyone's always on about the iconic, like, was, backlash yeah. ones with the swinging scythes. Yeah, there's so many cool sets over the years. And I feel like these are missing nowadays. You can understand why the budgets must be insane for them. But it'd be nice to have a few of them back. But this set is beautiful tonight. It's yeah, a full-on beach. Done. Big screen off to the side. You know, the commentary position's, like, right raised up over on the right-hand side. Ah, it's just really beautiful, man. The camera pans across this super no vacancy crowd. Uh, It does seem to be quite a high proportion of wife beaters and mullets in the crowd. (laughs) That was my note. 1996 and at the beach. (laughs) Shit tons of pyro goes off as Tony Schiavone talking a million miles an hour. He is very excitable this evening. Welcomes us to hour two of Nitro. (laughs) (laughs) That's Bischoff's job. Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show. Never before in history of this great sport has there been a night like this one. It's got a fair point. A capacity crowd is on hand at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. And welcome as World Championship Wrestling presents the Bash at the Beach. He continues. But it is more than just the Bash at the Beach. It is an attempt at the hostile takeover. And tonight, in front of millions worldwide, nearly, (laughs) and in front of a capacity crowd, questions will be answered. He finally put over the story in the opening tax. Yay! He's learnt. um, He's taken guidance for the last nine episodes. It it took him two months, but we got there. (laughs) It's my one criticism of these. So, yeah, it's great to hear. This was a flaw as close to flawless intro that tony could have done yeah i don't like when wrestling pros go we present this it's like uh you're you're removing part of the idea that this is a real fight and you're essentially sta- telling me at this stage a case of welcome to our show yeah, which i've yeah. made a a bitter note about at the end of this <laughs> okay what the fuck are these dudes wearing I mean, 1996 called. <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, I loved it. I mean, Dusty is basically come out of a YMCA. He's in all black, like full black collared, like half collar thing. It's kind of weird, but it's okay. You know, it's not too bad. It's better than the red. <laughs> he all did. I think of when I see that red one is Guesthouse Paradiso. 
To be fair, yeah. I always think like chubby Michael Jackson, but it's what it is. <laughs> so Heenan in flamboyant Hawaiian shirt. Okay, we're at Bash at the Beach. Get it. But in a bl- bright blue sports jacket. And I'm like, mm, okay, fair enough. Shivoni though. What the fuck? <laughs> He's wearing a black tuxedo with a bright red bow tie. A bright red cumber button. What? <laughs> with what seems to be light gray jeans and you're like dude what why (laughs) it looks so funny man fashion icon tony shivani (laughs) he's wearing a red cumber button with a black tuxedo but doesn't have black trousers on i'm like dude what (laughs) the lack of professionalism basically he spilled his tea on it beforehand he dropped like i don't know sauce on it or something before he went out it's like oh crap Uh, i bet for most of it i'll be like torso up <laughs> for the camera <laughs> yeah. i imagine that's the assumption but fuck this opening shot has all of them in frame like head to toe almost oh it's great stuff man what a way to start like classic wcw in my mind i really hope he dropped his dinner on his lap <laughs> <laughs> I just think, oh shit really it was bagwell <laughs> shit in his trousers and left them out uh, for him you know <laughs> so you should american male. <laughs> oh they were missing this i would have loved to have had them on the show but oh well Shivoni introduces Dusty and Heenan and continues, we do not know where Eric Bischoff is. And we, He's the third man. And we don't, ne- no, what did you say? Uh, we don't know yet who the third man is. A lot of butterflies going into the six-man tag later on, immediately getting the important story over here. Doing a great job. I have nothing to add, sorry. It's all right. <laughs> you nailed it. I nailed it perfectly. Heenan puts over the energy in the locker room this evening. Dusty suggests the main event should maybe go on first. What, what, what? <laughs> and that Eric Bischoff might be being held hostage. Where does this come from? It's, it's mm, big stories here. As Shivoni is putting over the story and kicking off the show, Heenan chimes in. Let's get this over with. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Heenan is just so bitter this evening. He's salty, salty Heenan. He's not paid by the minute, is he, Heenan? (laughs) Get on with it. At the very end, when all the crazy shit happens, there's a call where Heenan goes, no one else has followed the bloody rules this evening. (laughs) This is so funny, man. He's the best. Oh, fuck. Tax, how do we open the show? Hmm, it's WCW in 1996. Hang on, get Mike Tanay on the phone. We're going to have some luchadors doing moves no one else knows how to call. It's only bloody Psychosis and Rey Mysterio Jr. to open the show. Fucking A. I mean, we're going to go for it, but this was incredible. I mean, we waxed lyrical about Rey against Malenko from Great American Bash. Um a couple of pods ago. You can go and find them in our archives at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. But this match, this is top draw, Lucha Libre, which no crowd in America would have seen in a mainstream arena like this. Yeah. Meltzer gave this four and three quarters. I happened to see it the other day. I was like, yeah. In in, in 96, definitely. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> So uh, just a quick heads up, Psychosis, as they call him here, not Seacosis, because, you know, Americans, WCW, um, has been in WCW since January 1996. Hasn't been on any of the bloody shows we've done, though, has he? <laughs> He's probably been on Saturday night or yeah. atten- alternatively cutting Bischoff's grass. Think of the fucking morons <laughs> you know, that they've pumped full of 
roids in the power plant and sent out to have WCW cruiser matches we've had to sit through the first month or so of this series. They've just had psychosis just sitting in the back like, hi guys, like, I'm quite good, you know? No, no. Give me Joe Gomez. Yeah, of course. So, uh, psychosis, man, his gear here. Fucking hell, he looks good. Uh, horned white mask with ornate white, silver and yellow gear. He's got the whole kind of like faux six-pack ultimate warrior bodyguard kind of thing going on. He does have white tights, though, and he seems to be smuggling quite a lot of peanuts down there. <laughs> I mean, get across the border any way you can. <laughs> Mate, I couldn't take my eyes off it to start with. <laughs> That's a grande kielbasa, that is. <laughs> Fucking A. Ray in his Spider-Man Riddler combo of white, red, and blue, but with question marks all over it. Oh, it's good stuff, Tax. Very good stuff. And just having the visual of Psychosis and Ray, it makes Psychosis look huge. Yeah, man. He's a big boy to be doing these type of lucha spots, and he does some crazy fucking shit in this match. Both of these wrestlers tried to die in this match. <laughs> I feel like they've definitely had a, a conversation back. So someone's given a speech, you know. I feel like Bischoff has stood there and been like, this is going to go down in history tonight. Trust me, you want to do your best. Hang on, Bischoff was uh, maybe held hostage. He couldn't give a talk backstage. Yeah, indeed. Cafe, bro. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, Heenan makes plenty of jokes about Psychosis's big hair, but immediately calls him Rey Mysterio instead. Whoops. <clears throat> They're all the same to Heenan. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it. <laughs> Tanae putting over that Psychosis and Rey train together and have a long-standing rivalry. Uh, Mike Tanae does a fucking great job here. Tells about the backstory of these two that they wrestled in Mexico last night and only just about made it in time for their match this evening. Um, yeah, today's a pleasure on commentary. When he's doing these one-off shots and giving the backstory for these the, the foreign imports, as they, they refer to them as, he really, really does add something to it because, I mean, we'll get to it <laughs> in the post-match interview with Conan later. Mm. But without having... Tanae offer some technical analysis, it would have made it sound more like those two jokers commentating on AAA a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. So the match is a little slow to get started. You can see them kind of like just getting their feet, seeing how the crowd are going to respond. But then Psychosis dives to the outside, smashes his head into the railings. It's like, here we go, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, uh, I won't go over all the spots because you should just see this match. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Ray hits a running Hudakun Rana, as they call it, from the apron to the outside. A running Frankensteiner. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Commentary putting it over hard, apart from Heenan, who chimes in. They're getting right back to their feet. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny point. Uh, just endless, crazy spots during the middle and end of this match. Um, I guess we've got to talk about the psychosis sent on from the top turn buckle to a prone I mean, Rey Mysterio on the floor. Dangerous as hell. Rey's on the outside, pretty much under the guardrail. Yeah. <laughs> and psychosis is just, fuck it, sent on. Fla and just, and, but the height, the vert he got before dropping down on the sent on was a thing of beauty. How is he still walking? He falls directly onto his hips while squashing Rey Mysterio at the same time, legitimately. I mean, it's a good thing Ray had a mask on. <laughs> yeah, the pain on his face. 
from this spot. And, all, and also Ooh. not completely white tights. Because any impact onto your stomach like that, if you've got anything in there, it's going to that'll just push shit out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Remember that time where Psychosis made Ray shit himself at Bash <laughs> at the Beach? Speaking of which, Heenan immediately goes, call for the bladder. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, man. Psychosis seems to have legit fucked up his back on this spot. Like, legit flat back bumping off the top turnbuckle to the outside is dumb as fuck he stands up and kind of adjusts his hips and his backs and it's like oh terrible dusty chimes in and goes ray mysterious (laughs) (laughs) if you will oh so good there's a moment right in this match where commentary discussing all these crazy moves heenan goes how do you know all these names and shivoni goes if you don't know them you just make them up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then there's like a 10 second period where they're silent where they've blatantly got their finger on the mute button because they are pissing themselves laughing <laughs> what a way to start the show man this is so much fun it's brilliant commentary as you said having the the added element of mike Tanay on there just the ridiculousness and the risks these guys are willing to take it just sets the bar very high for the for the rest of the show absolutely man they lucha, the fans come alive. Ray does a springboard, but Psychosis catches Ray in a Liger bomb. Fucking sick. Psychosis slams Ray into the turnbuckles and they go up top. Psychosis goes for a razor's edge off Brett's rope while Razor's on the show, dude. <laughs> Don't think so. But Ray reverses it into a Hooden Kanrana off the second rope in 1990 fucking six for the one, two, three. What an incredible fucking match. I mean, the only other note I've got about this is again another wonderful Heenanism where Ray did his uh, twisting SIA moonsault and Heenan got confused and said, What a great SIA hip toss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, as you said, this start to finish, I just, you know, there was a feeling out process, slow, very, very slow at the beginning. But as you said, as soon as Psychosis went into that rail, it was like, Fuck it, let's go for it. Absolutely, man. I mean, accompanied by, like, you know, Tanae being a huge mark on commentary, Salty Heenan. It's just it's so much fun. I love it so, so much. It, it's genuinely awesome that we got to see the beginnings of this WCW Cruises that we've seen bits of and we all, all remember and we know and we've heard so much about. And they're so much better than these, you know, send them off to the power plant, fill them full of roids and send them back, guys. Like, all the imports, like, You've got Hoovy coming in over the next few weeks. You've got who else? You've got Eddie coming back. You get Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio. You Still get Liger coming in as well. Like uh, La Parker, like fucking hell, man. It's just to see the birth of this was so, so good, man. And the thing you look at today as well, because I can quite honestly say that I've not watched any 205 live. I might have watched a few episodes of the Cruiserweight Classic when it first started. But if you compare cruiser action in Nitro in 96 and 97 to what they've got as their cruiserweight offering today, mm-hmm. it, can't, it can't touch what Nitro had. It's, it's very comparable in that the spots are as good. I did not think we'd be seeing second rope Huda Conranas reverse from Razor's Edge and like, you know, sentons from the top turnbuckle to the floor and shit like that. It's, it's fucking mental. To catch a dude who's in midair 
and get your feet up high enough to Liger bomb him, Psychosis was a fucking madman. It was such a shame when they bought across Psychosis, Hoovy, and Super Crazy, and they just wasted them as the Mexicals. Yeah, of course, man. Like, Nitro wasting them as well, because this is as far as these cruisers ever go on Nitro. They have these matches, and they're crazy, and, you know, occasionally a Jericho gets a bit of a push because he has amazing personality. And, you know, Benoit eventually wins, wins the belt right before he leaves. But that's the extent of the cruiser guys. Like, they're just spot monkeys for Bischoff, you know? And it's a real shame, because these guys are super fucking over. If he'd just pushed Rey Mysterio to the main event quickly, imagine what it could have done. For a ratings draw, though, for Nitro, having the cruisers open was yeah. always going to be what people wanted to see over whatever WWE had of their opening yeah. part of the show. A huge reason WCW is outdrawing WF right now. Big time. Because Absolutely. they'll stay. They come in for the like, high-flying, never-before-seen moves of the Lucha guys and, and the cruisers. And they stay for the coolness of the NWO. Yeah. When you're comparing this to, like, it's competing against gold dust and juke the dumpster Josie wrestling like you know a five minute draw with sable on the outside doing filthy shit you know it's uh it's it's just not got that attention drawing thing well maybe sable would have but you know what i mean (laughs) it's not comparable though it's not comparable to a full in-ring product of course so right as we i've got slow motion replays post-match by the way Ooh, production value stacks yeah <laughs> well they they paid for a couple of extra credits so they could use it five times during the show <laughs> they really did use it a few times uh, but they've never done this before for pay-per-views have they post-match slow-mo replays they've they've only had one i think they had one at slamboree because we commented on it okay. and we were like oh production value someone accidentally pressed the wrong button and slowed it down <laughs> As we cut to the next scene, Heenan quickly chimes in. Can we speak English now? (laughs) (laughs) Salty Heenan. It's so funny, man. So, Mean Gene backstage with our boy Conan. Where has Conan been (laughs) the past month of Nitro? Probably uh, probably on on Saturday night. But they they kept on saying that, again, Conan wrestled in Mexico last night. So, you wrestled over here. But... The highlight of this, Matt, this whole promo was when Gene goes to Conan. Can you, uh, can you explain the end of that last match? And Conan obviously wasn't expecting. She goes, um, really? He gets him up on the top rope. He reversed it into a top rope hurricane runner and rolled him up for the three. Yep. He looks so fucking furious that he's been asked about the last match, not his match with Flair tonight. And that should be the headline, Conan versus Flair. It's a big deal, especially in 96, you know. Biggest name in Mexico going against arguably the greatest US wrestler of a generation sure. and of all time. Especially with the NWA, WCW. He's the guy. He's the man. And they would have known about that. I mean, can you imagine what would have happened if Flair had gone down to Mexico to wrestle Conan? Yeah. It's the main event. Arena Mexico. It's got to be. And it's actually probably going to a main event Triple Mania next year. <laughs> so just to say, we are going to do Triple Mania after this show. So I'm really looking forward to that. So, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a flipping gem and I'm looking forward to watching it again. Cool. What about this uh, set where they're interviewing Conan? You know, it's uh, the blue bed sheet with a white Bash at the Beach towel hanging up behind them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, prim- it's very WCW. It's promoting merch, which is similar to what we should do. 
Whereas if you're enjoying what we've done, and also if you're a new listener, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you want to support the pod, head over to Amazon.co.uk, just search World of Wrestling Podcast and buy our CM Punk-inspired T-shirt to support the pod. Mm, you will also be able to get something new relatively soon. Woohoo! We did try and have it ready for this show, but it hasn't quite worked out that way. So it'll be on Amazon. We'll obviously talk about it, hopefully, next week. It would be very good if we could talk about it next week, because it kind of fits in. <laughs> also, you know who you are. Answer your fucking DMs. Yeah. How do we say that in Spanish? <laughs> Senor clown. <laughs> Let's move on. So the chat finishes up um, with Conan as the US champ. We'll be up against the 13-time US champ, Ric Flair, this evening. Conan threatens to beat up Flair's women, and I'm like, oh, hang on. <laughs> what? Because wife beating doesn't matter in Mexico. <laughs> Viva la Mexico! <laughs> That's what he says, not me. <laughs> Next up, the main event. <laughs> <laughs> the way I left the little pause there, because I knew you wanted to chime in. Ah, oh, we've got this down, man. This whole COVID fucking remote podcasting. We're doing great. So, it's non uniform boss man. <laughs> <laughs> known racist Jimmy Hart <laughs> versus he's not a man he's oh fuck <laughs> he's not a man he's turned back into a shark oh that's the way to go John Tenter in a Carson City silver dollar match how many gimmicks can we <laughs> squeeze into each second of this pod and more imp- <laughs> and more importantly oh, it's, it's not even a sock it's not even a sock on a fucking pole. It looks like a used Johnny full of loose change. This fucking match. Jesus Christ. This feud, dude. Everything about it. It's such fucking bollocks. It's brilliant. Tenter may now be a man and no longer a shark, but he still hasn't found out how to find entrance music. I mean, Sharky comes out without his entrance music, and I'm like... Or half his head. <laughs> Still got the half skullet, but didn't keep half the beard. Just kept the 70s porn stash. You're like, what? Commit to the gimmick, douchebag. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) He's got the handlebar tash coming after you, man like Quake. Let me catch my breath. Hold on. Just give me a second. This is quality (sighs) audio. So, (laughs) all night. I haven't mentioned it up until this point because it makes more sense here. The graphics that show the names of the wrestlers have an animated shark fin <laughs> going across the transition. But it has a whole other feel to it when Tenta's graphic comes up. <laughs> Just straight up mocking the dude like poor Sharky. Like he's not a shark. But oh yes he is. <laughs> Here's a shark on screen as he comes out. No music, but he gets a shark fin, you know. Oh. I wonder if leading up to this, before they got Hall and Nash signed, they're like, okay, Sharky. You'll be in the main event at the bash at the beach. We're gonna have this shark gimmick sliding along. You'll be you'll be main event in and be like, you're hungry for things. And then it's like, oh, well, we've already designed the the Dreamcast shark, so um, yeah, we'll just leave that on. Poor Sharky, man. The match starts. Pay per view payday. <laughs> and boss man bails to the outside because fuck this company. <laughs> I mean, he's putting the heel tag together, fine. The camera pulls back to show the size of the pole on the corner post. It's like 40 fucking foot tags. I thought it was psychosis again. <laughs> Immediately, I'm like, how is anyone meant to grab the thing at the top of the pole? 
Well, it's like three, four times the height of them. Because you could. I looked at Boss Man, I looked at Tenta, and I was like, hmm. Are they going <laughs> to bend the pole down? It's so good. I, I was hoping this match was just going to go on for eternity. <laughs> you know, they'd just be reaching and reaching and reaching and never quite get there. Oh, fucking just ridiculous. So Heenan chimes in. When Tenta was born, he was 187 pounds. <laughs> Sounds like the weight of my daughter. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. So, yeah, there's there's literally a Johnny-type sock on the end of this pole. Uh, there's lots of crotch-based attacks early. That's because there's a Johnny-based sock up there. <laughs> yep. Uh, the pole is significantly too tall for Tenta, so he gives up and tries to take the pole down. <laughs> You're like, what? He's a clever shark. This fucking match, dude. So, non-uniform boss man murders Sharky, choking him with a belt, and then gaffer tapes Sharky to the ropes. Not the last time that'll happen this evening. As Bubba hits Sharky with a belt, Heenan goes, you got him right in the gills there. <laughs> Shafoni chimes in going, he has no gills. And he Heenan sarcastically goes, that's right. He's not a fish. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Well, literally, when Heenan chimes in and goes, he's got right in the gills there. I could not stop laughing. I had to pause it and not walk away for a minute. So good. Oh, it's just oh. gold. It's WCW gold. Fucking hell, man. When we started this series, did you honestly think there'd be anything this bad that made it this funny? Well, yes, it's Nitro in 1996. <laughs> but I didn't think it'd be of this level of brilliance. And I also think you're being very, very kind calling this a match. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> oh, I've probably got more notes about this match than anything on this show because I enjoyed it this much. So uh, Bossman goes to do Sharky a favour, cutting the other half of the skullet off. But Sharky stops Bubba. <laughs> Because, you know, why not? And uses the scissors to free himself from the ropes. He's a free-range shark. (laughs) (laughs) He won't be captive. (sighs) Non-uniform boss man sends racist Jimmy Hart up the pole to go get the sock. Known racist Jimmy Hart is a goddamn gymnast. Who fucking knew? I was really hoping that someone had, like, ribbed him and, like, put (laughs) grease on it. Can you imagine? Okay, Jimmy, climb that pole. Fuck. <laughs> he scampers up this pole like a fucking monkey up a tree. He's amazing. <laughs> it's very impressive. I can't do this. So I'm jealous. I, I, I just imagined him. <laughs> he was trying to see Ten to try and do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we were going to get to see one of these big lads try and climb that pole. Because there climb is the pole, John. Mate, there is no fucking way they'd be getting up to the top of it. So, Hart comes down with the pole, (laughs) with the sock. The crowd are going fucking crazy. They're really, really into this by this point. That's because if Jimmy Hart falls (laughs) off, he will die. (laughs) It's a man 40 foot. Think about, like, you know, Shane coming up the side of the Titan drum. It has the same feel here. Because Jimmy Hart is 40 foot in the fucking air above the ring. If he falls, he's fucking dead. Like, it's definitive. that that's that's really put going above and beyond for the product, isn't it? It's a case of I'm a manager to Kevin Sullivan and now non-uniform boss man, yeah. and I'm forty foot in the air on a on a pole, which 
doesn't look overly well secured Fuck on no. a ring post. It's got a few like bits of fabric holding it on at the bottom. That is it. It's not safe. Someone, <laughs> someone needs to do a risk assessment of this uh, Carson City silver chain on a pole How, jizz sock match. Don't they ever spoil this, genius? This is marvellous. Huge pop for Tenta, who shoves this racist piece of shit gymnast and steals the sock. <laughs> A sentence I didn't Gymnast think. heart. <laughs> Sharky smashes the sock into non-uniform boss man for the chest. one. Yeah, does not get his face. He gets his chest for the one, two, three. Huge pop. Do not underestimate the size of this pop. Match of the fucking year. He's not a shark. He's a free range man shark fish. <laughs> what a few with gills. <laughs> What a feud, man. What a payoff. This is brilliant. This is great storytelling. You know, we go on about the NWO drip feeding things. Let Fair play to WCW. They stayed the course for this. This has been like six weeks build yeah, for I, this. I didn't think we'd get a payoff. And oh my God, these two kind of vets telling this ridiculous Memphis style story. It's, oh, it's brilliant fun, man. It was a real... Um, but this was signing off old WCW, wasn't it? This is the style that essentially died at bash at the beach yeah this is i think this is the last of this kind of phase of wrestling and they did it brilliantly they got the crowd on their side they had sequence to sequence to spot to spot they knew where they were going it worked it's uh it's two veterans telling a great story in the ring man with all the bollocks that came along with this uh this was Do you reckon one of them fun. had creative control because obviously i know hogan had creative control in his contract mm. do you reckon tento or bubba had creative control of their contract went okay eric i'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna be doing this evening <laughs> i think it's i want to i want to get shit. jimmy hart i want to get jimmy hart to cl- yeah because he was held captive somewhere <laughs> um i want to get jimmy hart to climb a 40 foot pole best case scenario he dies worst case scenario we finish the match <laughs> you've heard bishop talk about jimmy hart on his pod right yep yeah he's not a big fan so i guarantee he was like yeah do that <laughs> that sounds great Oh, crikey. But, um, I mean, the last match, according to Meltzer, was four and three quarter stars, you say? How, did you catch Meltzer's rating for this? No, I don't think it's got a rating. There's only a couple of matches on the show that had a rating, and uh, the last one was by far the biggest. So the rest are like that's two, three star matches sort of thing. You can't rate perfection. And this match was so good, there has not been another Carson City silver dollar match since this, to my knowledge. Please find us on <laughs> at World of Rest Pod on Twitter if I am wrong. I am desperately gonna miss these two in this feud. It was so good, and I doubt we're gonna find much like this in the future, man. That's this funny. Yeah, and and also it it's a shame that these guys aren't with us anymore. I mean, yep. I I I doubt they'd be having any form of sort of impact on on the business itself other than being able to work like the signature circuits and everything for people but it's a real shame because both guys by the sound of things through what you read about people like listen to bruce pritchard talk about john tenter before he passed away and everyone had such nice words to say about you know big bubba yeah it's a shame that they're not there. They've got but, tons of memories from my childhood, man. I'm a big fan of both guys. I remember genuinely being scared of Earthquake when he was in WCW the first time I ever saw him. I remember being kind of petrified of Boss Man when he beat up nails in the prison. Remember that in the magazine? Yeah. And yeah. and these two from as a as a as a Hasbro figure kid from back in the day, Earthquake, which had movable legs so he could do the giant whoopsie. 
that was a great figure. And the fact that Boss Man was a um, a rounder sort of character rather than like the, the chiseled muscle ones they'd done so far. I was like, these are different shapes. It's okay to be a pro wrestler if you're fat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Big fan of both guys. And this has been such a pleasure over this series to watch. We cut to Aloha Tony Schiavone, <laughs> who's now got a lay around his neck, adding to his wonderful ensemble that he's wearing this evening. They're putting he's over... head of the table now. <laughs> the tribal chief of WCW. Is that where we're going with this? Yeah. <laughs> bloody, bloody Vince ripping off old WCW with Roman yeah. Reigns. Tony <laughs> Schiavone was the original tribal chief. <laughs> uh, the commentary team putting over the third man gimmick over and over and over again. Uh, mean Gene backstage with Macho, Luger, and Sting. Uh, Luger forgot his TV strap again. <laughs> and also to wear any interesting gear. True. Just wearing black trunks constantly because, you know, who cares? Uh, <laughs> <the> third man. <laughs> so they're all wearing Stinger paint. Lex's Stinger paint makes him look like he's got a banging monobrow. <laughs> Lex's promo wasn't that bad. It was his best of this 10 run of shows. That is the biggest compliment I will ever play Lex Luger. It wasn't bad. <laughs> Sting cuts a banging promo, fully impassioned, ready to go. He talks about the unknown and how it gets him excited. They finish the promo with all three lads shouting and walking off the battle. Great stuff. Other than other than Macho shouting, what's the point? <laughs> As he leaves. <laughs> Tape this match for the Lord of the Ring. It's Diamond Dallas Page, our current champion. Champion? Yeah. Yeah. Holder. Holder of Lord of the Ring versus Jim Duggan. We haven't mentioned the wonderful spooty graphics coming across when it's a specific match type which again just looks like you've got time extended on a racing game yeah they're they're, they're of the time period i guess they are certainly there <laughs> dally in teal tights with a waistcoat very nice a uh, duggan in his usual navy blue and i'm like immediately both lads are wearing blue what the fuck but at least, again at least it's trunks and tights mm-hmm. different tones i don't think we're gonna mistake okay one for the this. other yeah yeah I think you can tell which one's Diamond Dallas Page, which one's Jim Duggan. <laughs> well, from behind, maybe not, but you know, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> DDP tapes Duggan's feet together around the ring post. So, Hang on, someone's already done this. Mm, done that spot a little bit earlier. DDP cuts off Duggan's taped fists. Oh, I forgot to mention they've both got their fists taped because that makes a difference, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Laying in those strikes of a taped fist with that mm. lovely silk roll wrap. Heenan's not happy about this gimmick, is he? He, it, <laughs> I think to say he's not a fan would be mildly, un- mildly understating the situation. Yeah, the whole you're not meant to punch each other in the face in wrestling and having a taped fist match. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really work, does it? And we sort of alluded to this last week. Um, when these two got uh, into it. Mm. Who's the heel? Who is the heel? I mean, I suspect <laughs> it's supposed to be DDP. I-, I would say for sure it's meant to be DDP, but yeah, there's not much logic to this, is there? 
Duggan needed a title shot in his contract and he got to win a diamond ring or the opportunity yeah. to win a diamond ring. To be fair to Duggan, he always gets a loud, positive response almost no matter what. Like the crowd are cheering USA, USA. And, you know, every time he goes ho, they go ho as well. So, so did the Godfather. Indeed. The heat is about as cheap as the average indie young boy, but Duggan is undeniable. Come on. I like heat. I like. I am young buck. I like flippy heat. You pop big for me doing two flip. Duggan slams DDP's head repeatedly into the turnbuckles. Fans count along. He then makes a quip about fans not being able to count. Shironi goes, I've heard them count to above 10. Heenan goes, yeah, but they had to take off their shoes. <laughs> Hacksaw and DDP are on the outside. They climb back in the ring. DDP punts Brett's rope into Hacksaw's bollocks. Diamond cutter, one, two, three. Can we do that, Jerry? Um, and still lord of his ring, Diamond Dallas Page. Um, I mean, <laughs> the, the comment about Heenan when it was like to, to about Duggan going, yeah, but where's he actually looking? <laughs> it's like, oh, Bobby Heenan, you are mean to poor Duggan's face. <laughs> Very much so. Post-match, Duggan immediately gets up, no selling the cutter, and I get really fucking pissed off. What the hell? What's he doing? Sell, bitch. He's been learning from Luger. Yeah. It's very carny old school. No, if I'm going to put you over, I'm not going to sell it, you know? It's not cool. Just, it's it's pointless. Yeah. It's pointless the fact that he no-sold it. And then the the face attacking the heel after the match. Someone throws this tape to Duggan so he can loosely tape up his fist. Can they do that, Joey? Did Duggan then punch his DDP with this taped fist? DDP sold it like he's fucking dead. What? <laughs> I, I haven't got this gimmick from the beginning. It doesn't make any sense now either. Like, I know there's the whole, like, boxers tape their fists and that hardens up your knuckles a little bit, protects them and stuff. But just, DDP is like, I'm sorry, Duggan is loosely wrapping tape around his hand like maybe five times. And then punches. Just remember <sighs> this storyline. This storyline started when Duggan was taking a shit and found the ring. Yep good stuff in it maybe the worst feud oh well actually there's some worse ones <laughs> this is not good mean gene backstage with the seven foot four inch 471 pound heavyweight champion of the world the giant also kevin sullivan and jimmy hart you little twerp <laughs> mean gene's the best <laughs> mean gene gets it uh, Sullivan and Giant cut a promo on the Horsemen. They're going to have a tag match later on. It's shit. Again, who is the heel? <laughs> yep. It's utterly shit. Sullivan acts like the prat he is the whole time, trying to look intimidating, but again, looks and acts like a twat. Uh, they all lie by saying Sullivan isn't the weak link. Bullshit. The best bit is where known racist Jimmy Hart chimes in, and Mean Gene responds by saying, Can you do me a favour? I don't want to offend you, but will you brush your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> everyone's on fire tonight like this show is oh, banging mate and that's a shoot baby <laughs> mean gene sends us to lee marshall on the ramp i'm like hang on we haven't seen lee marshall at all any of these shows he was on that awa show doing commentary wasn't he 
Yeah, and it's very much the case of, Gene, we've got you down to do 23 interviews on this show. <laughs> Shit, guys, I've only really got time to do 22. Fuck, what are we going to do? Um, is Lee Marshall here? Uh, yeah, we'll get Lee Marshall to come down. <laughs> His voice is epic, dude. He reminds me of Clint Bobsky when they did Southpaw Regional in WWE. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Good comparison. So Lee Marshall is on the entrance ramp with Benoit and Arn Anderson. Lee Marshall accompanied by his Tash. Yeah, and Arn Anderson's big, awesome 90s specs. Oh, looks amazing. Uh, I mean, it must look amazing. He can actually see. Yeah, absolutely. Arn talks calmly. Benoit boasts about being a fart. Silent but violent. As he's talking, not being silent, I will point out at this point, <laughs> Lee Marshall times in and goes, tag team action, let's go back to the ring. Go home, Lee, go home. Tag team action, <laughs> back to the ring. This next match. So, I mean, I this almost... makes fucking Duggan and DDP <laughs> look like fucking Psychosis and Ray. When I was in the process of going, DDP and Duggan might be the worst feud of, oh, wait. <laughs> We've got a double dog collar chain tag team match of the nasty boys of Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags versus the public enemy of Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. Tax, would you like to take us through some of this? Ah, okay, so basically, we're looking at sort of like a fatal four-way, but not. Sags is tied up to Rocco Rock, Nobbs is tied up to Johnny Grunge. And once things they get started, as you can imagine, it's going to be a catch-as-catch-can style wrestling. Oh no, wait, they go straight to the outside, where uh, um, we then get this lovely double picture where the cameras follow them around and Dusty shouts out going, it's double trouble, battered the beach bubble. <laughs> But only in the bottom half of the screen, mind. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The graphics split, basically, it, it's the worst kind of production game. We mentioned earlier that we don't have sort of TNT production. They fight over the aisle. Um, Nobs knocks out Grunge with an inflatable shark and Grunge sold it, which is really good. Dusty going, it's a rubber shark! It's a rubber shark! <laughs> so funny. But, but on that subject of uh, Shivani following on from that, Sags then goes to one up Brian Nobbs hitting Rocco Rock with a surfboard and Shivani goes in you can do a lot more of a surfboard than you can with a shark <laughs> Tentis just having a cry in the back you know and unbelievably they get a near fall with the surfboard but you know doesn't do it Rocco Rock climbs up the lifeguard's seat and it falls over on top of Sags <laughs> fucking ridiculous and they basically um, beat the shit out of each other with various weapons, still in this horrible, horrible split screen, which makes it, even though this match would have been impossible to enjoy anyway, it made it even harder to enjoy. Rocco Rock puts Jerry Sags for a table in the aisle. Hopefully it's not Flair's dining set. And luckily, finally after this moment, the split screen ends, and now we can start enjoying some good, whole, professional <laughs> wrestling. Oh, wait. <laughs> No, we can't. Um, Sag's about to be put for a table again, but he gets put... Rocco Rock, I think, got pulled off by a chain, bounces off the table instead of going for it. I, I am, am the, the table! table. <laughs> and uh, then Sags lays Rocco on the table, leaps off of Brett's rope. Table still doesn't break. I, I am, am the, the table! table. <laughs> um, and then... I love that table. 
Sag sends Rocco off the ropes. He gets tied up really badly. <laughs> so um, funny. <laughs> they then try and uh, hang Johnny Grunge. Yep, there's a murder. Classic. And um, and then they send uh, Rocco into it, clotheslining him. And that's the end of the fucking shitty match. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is. <laughs> it's it's one of the worst matches I've ever seen. There's There's no selling. The whole match. They're doing stuff like smashing each other over the head with objects. They go, so what's the next spot? You can see them talking to each other. It's fucking terrible. It's one-upsmanship of dickery. They're just trying to be... It's attempting to be Johnny Big Bollocks about beating the shit out of your opponent for no real reason other than to prove that you're the biggest arsehole in professional wrestling. And these two teams are just absolute dog shit. Commentary are endlessly taking the piss in this match, and rightfully so. Fuck these idiots. This is terrible. It's gimmicks. MVP of this match is the table. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's gimmicks upon gimmicks upon gimmicks. It's like watching a Smoky Mountain show. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Someone told Jim Cornette about this. <laughs> I mean, realistically, the winner here is absolutely nobody. This was 11 minutes of my life that I'm never going to get back. And the worst thing was, because it was split screen, I had to watch both lots of shit. (laughs) One eye on each going, nope, I'm just going to watch the middle and take in a rough idea of what's happening because fuck this shit, who cares? Per Heenan, Duggan couldn't do that. (laughs) One eye on each. (laughs) Post-match, right? They're just beating the shit out of each other. Rocco gets pinned. Rocco immediately stands back to his feet bunch of fucking idiots this lot the cameraman completely misses sags eventually going through the table on the outside a bunch more shit happens we get slow-mo replays of the nasty boys entrance because it's probably the only replayable bit of the whole fucking match literally the worst match i've ever seen and i've wrestled conroy (laughs) hi dan how you doing Mean Gene backstage at the locker room with security and putting over the outsiders Bischoff captive who's going to be on what the side third man story thing. The outsiders will not come out for an interview. I love these segments. They're really building the tension, getting to that main event. It, it's, it's really cool. It's stuff like they used to do with, you know, like SummerSlam 92, where you don't know what side Flair and Perfect are going to be on. It's, it's the same segments, really. But it works so well with with the unknown of what they want to try and pull off here. When's the last time any major company had this sort of storyline? As in like a, an unknown, a mystery? Yeah, Who's, whose side is this person going to be on? How are we going to find out? Let's go backstage and try and find out who's going to be. Like They don't tell these sorts of stories anymore. I mean, Impact had the who shot Johnny Bravo. Yeah, not quite the same caliber. And like, you know, <laughs> uh, NXT had the who be up to Master Champ in the parking lot sort of thing. But then they repeated that idea again later on, didn't they? But they'd already done that with HBK and Triple H. In this case, the who attacked Shawn Michaels. Sure. And then okay. they showed the footage. But There is a few, but then, I would have that... liked to have seen them done more developed almost. You know what I mean? On a bigger scale. Yeah, but but certainly not as complete as this sure it's such a simple device i just i'd like to see it used more and better than it's been used let's put it that way so cue the shit ass disco music for our wcw world cruiserweight championship match of the disco inferno versus our champion 
Dean Malenko. Now, tax. We'll go through it, but I think I need to start by saying I like this match. They at least try and make Disco look mildly, mildly credible. Disco grabs a mic. Fuck. (laughs) Cuts the same bollocks promo. He cuts every bollocks week on bollocks Nitro, even though I quite like the recent ones we've done. Uh, Malenko slaps Disco to a big baby face pop and off we go. Immediately I'm like, who's the face? Who's the heel? Malenko just turned heel against Mysterio, but he's wrestling a heel tonight and Disco gets pops later on, but Malenko's the face to start with. It's like, it's a mess. Okay, let's establish that straight off the bat. Just anything Disco Inferno is just hard work yeah. to be around. Malenko is incredible early in the match. He's incorporating Tiger Mask spots, Lucha spots, but in his style. Brutal looking brain buster from Malenko, and this guy constantly losing the stupidest shit on Nitro week after week kicks out. And I'm like, uh huh? I thought this was going to be a squash to start. But this is where the Disco Inferno babyface heat starts to build. They're trying to build Disco as a guy who can wrestle, but just doesn't have the concentration to do it almost. So I appreciate Disco putting on a decent match here. It does get better and better as it kind of goes along. And, And he's being a decent competitor. But the logic of it, like, where's... What are we seeing tonight in comparison to the person we've seen from Nitro for the past two months? It's it's completely different. And I I was worried from the get-go when he came out. Obviously, loved the orange. Loved the little effect when they had the reflection from the disco ball into him coming into the ring. Sure. But the presentation, as you said, it's it's more they're trying to build sympathy for him more than anything. Yeah. And it gets a bit confusing as the match goes on because Malenko is dominating the match until Disco starts to do his big babyface comeback spots. And then they kind of... He's shining him up real nice. Yeah, but then they kind of reverse it because the crowd steadily starts to get more and more confused over the last three or four matches and they're kind of dying down a little bit. And so you then get kind of Malenko taking over for his babyface comeback spots at the end. And it's like, Huh? It, it's very, very back and forth. And they're both heels to start with. But Malenko's more over as a face. Then Disco becomes more over as a face. But then they turn back to Malenko being the guy that goes over at the end. It's, 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 it's odd. I don't know how to describe it apart from that. They try to complete a double turn. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's more like a triple turn almost, you know? Yeah, they, they got there and they didn't like it. So they went back. <laughs> Maybe so, man. So I thought these two did a good job of telling a story. Maybe that story didn't have, you know, as much logic as I'd like it to have. But commentary put over, you know, that Disco, if only Disco could concentrate on the wrestling side of things, he could be good. It just... That's the thing. They're trying to make him be a logical, logical, uh, sorry, sorry, a credible in-ring competitor. Yeah. It just isn't working. The crowd just looks so confused. They don't know whether to cheer, boo. It's ah, uh, I I mean because I I saw a tweet earlier about Disco Inferno and I saw it and I thought just of you and I was trying to find the exact tweet. So basically, it's some 
uh, a female wrestler in Canada basically said, um, just having to think about Disco Inferno. Shit, innit? Always has been, always will be. But now I've... Uh, but I just tried to find the reason why. Um, okay. And fuck Disco Inferno. Okay. It's all I'm going right. to say about this. Uh, Disco Inferno says, Brody Lee's family isn't being transparent about his death. Well, fuck you, Disco Inferno. Sure. It's not necessary, is it? Get your fucking nose out of it, mate, you know? Piece of shit. He does seem to say a lot of stuff on podcasts, specifically Conan's podcast, just to get heat, just to stay relevant. And it, it's, it's cheap, man. It's disgraceful. You don't need to. You know? Yes. Yeah, so say say things about politics. Say things about current people. Don't say a family's lying. Yeah. But unfortunately, that seems to be the thing about disco. And this is what we've mentioned on previous podcasts. Because you get the impression you don't particularly, he's not a particularly nice person in real life. It's very, very difficult to get invested in his matches and character. And obviously, I know we've had a lot of fun. And I've enjoyed ridiculing you for you know the general shit they present on Nitro with Disco Inferno. Sure. And they are trying to tell a story here in this match, but I just couldn't, I couldn't engage with it. And and that's a shame because Malenko probably here got the best match out of Disco Inferno by let him shining him up real nice for about two minutes yeah. and then turn it around in cloverleaf i can't talk about 96 97 because i barely watched any wcw from that time period but i watched pretty much everything from 98 until the end and i've never seen a disco match this good in terms of just spots and ability uh the match ends with malenko connecting with a super safe looking tiger tiger driver and i'm like couldn't just whip out the 91, could you? <laughs> you know, please, please, Dino, <laughs> kill him. But no, he doesn't. Cloverleaf by Malenko. Disco taps. And still your WCW Cruiserweight Champion, Dean Malenko, obviously. Um, Yeah. The best disco match I've ever seen, Dean Malenko, has been an absolute fucking treat week after week after week. He's unbelievably underrated, and he's known as one of the greats of all time, and... Yeah, his in-ring capability is fucking insane. Did you catch Tony Schiavone's comment at the end of this match? Go on. That was a classic. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, oh, Tony. Tony. <laughs> oh, Tony. Tax! A sur- the, hero, the hero we all need is here. <laughs> a surprise bonus match I did not know was on this card. So fuck the rest of the card. Here comes Mongo. Yes! Steve coming out with four horsemen music, Deborah McMichael with him looking flared up. Steve Bonga McMichael with Deborah McMichael versus Joe Gomez. Oh god, this is gonna be bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. The best I mean, the fact of the matter is, so obviously we've got Mongo coming down in his four horsemen shirt, Liverpool's finest centre back Joe Gomez coming down in his Steve Austin (laughs) vest top. Yep. But Jesus Christ, when these two face off at the start of the match and Mongo completely shoots, slaps the shit out of Joe Gomez, it's hilarious. It's so much. Oh, this is fucking abysmal. <laughs> so, Deborah has a dirty, ugly, useless dog with her and she's carrying a poodle to the ring. <laughs> the one note I have about the moves in this is just awkward because that's how it made me feel. It's amazing that Mongo is the one signed full time. Oh. And Kevin Green was, uh, for a, a transitional athlete, was so fluid yeah, in what he did. Yeah, yeah man. Got it about Kevin Mongo Green. hits a shit-looking backbreaker. That was a dude. <laughs> that was a move. You know how Flair and Arn took Mongo and Green to a great match at the American Bash? 
Yeah. And it was really good. It was really good. Maybe unsurprisingly, Joe Gomez is not Ric Flair or Arn Anderson. I would have speculated before watching this match that potentially Jogo may not have been able to get a decent match out of Mongo. Hmm. Just to point it out, both lads have got long black hair, long black tights, black boots, white wrist tape. Really? Can we not? They're young boys. <laughs> get a haircut, boys. Yeah, then, Mo- then you're young Mo- boys. Mongo's straight out of the dojo, really. Like, full talent. <laughs> Looking at that Boston Crab. <laughs> I mean, he moves like Yugi Nagata now. <laughs> you would have thought he could use some training before they put him on pay-per-view, you know? Like, fucking hell, mate. He's got a Halliburton. Oh, Jesus. Or as my, my wife misheard me a couple of weeks ago and said, why are you going on about a Halliburton? <laughs> What's Fish got to do with this? Never trust a horse! Mongo. Just Mongo. He's so awkward. So bad in the ring. So stiff. Joe Mo- Oversells beautifully. Yeah, it's Lex levels of overselling at times. Mongo hits a fucking tombstone. <laughs> what the fuck? For the one, two, three, the cover with the one hand, disrespectful prick. Rolled his eyes. <laughs> so your winner is Mongo. The second worst match I've ever seen. <laughs> no, no, no. Nah, no. of course I, it's I, not. I mean, you didn't even mention the terribly botched sunset flip before they went for the tombstone. Dude, you can't mention anything in this match because you'd just be going, this was botched, and this was botched, this was botched, and also this was botched. The whole match is one giant botch. It's fucking awful. The audacity of Mongo to try and do the figure four, but then there were the really bad small package following out of it. I was like, this is got this is Britress. Yeah, it, it's young boys having their first ever match on pay-per-view. This is IPW. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest pay-per-view, one of the most important shows of all time. What the fuck are they thinking? But, hit a tombstone for the win. Strong finish. Look nice and safe, the tombstone. Like, mate, his fucking head is by his penis. He's got like a foot to go before he hits the floor. Exactly, nice and safe. Ugh. He basically, it was basically the drill dough before it was a thing. Pretty much, man. It's about as safe as that Hogan tombstone, you know, where Hogan came back and went, oh, he spiked me. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> anyway... Moving on. Mean Gene backstage. Who? I haven't seen him on this show. <laughs> it's WCW. Of course he has to have a segment next. Mean Gene. Well, Lee Marshall's, Lee Marshall's done his commitments for another four months. Mean Gene backstage with Ric Flair in pink sparkles. My God, I love this gear. With Liz and woman, half his harem. Flair sings La Cucaracha because racism. Fucking hell. <laughs> You can guarantee Heenan was in his ear before it going. Hey, Flair, got an idea for you. <laughs> You're wrestling a Mexican guy tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. La cucaracha, la cucaracha, arriba! It's... Oh, fuck me. 96 is a weird time, isn't it? So, <laughs> 96 is a weird time where racism was fine on TV and pay-per-view. Yeah. I'm not sure it was fine. It's okay if you don't done. get caught, though. <laughs> Everyone Brother. needs a, a lesson from Hogan. Yeah, fucking idiot. Flair says that tomorrow night on Nitro, Flair is going to have the US belt and a World Heavyweight Championship belt. Huh? What? Okay. Oh, all right, Flair. Yeah, good stuff. Just booking yourself in main events, are we? Okay. Uh, Jean chats to Liz about her great big party. <laughs> Woman touches up Jean again. 
gets super awkward. And invites him to the party. It's mm. nice, though. Ric Flair jollying them along and basically going, Gene, come with us. Woman will give you a, a special show. Mm. The bit where Flair starts to shout again, because this promo has gone on way too long and woman is just chatting up Gene for like a minute. Gene grabs a cheeky hold of woman, like low down, sneaky old bastard. This promo just goes on and on and on. It's way too long. Gene eventually ends it by saying, in addition to wrestling, we're going to have a little pole vaulting competition. <laughs> what the fuck, Gene? <laughs> Back in your pants, mate. Hold on. Beautiful. <sighs> this was a mess. I mean, they, they gave women a chance to to act and... It was foreshadowing, mm. having quite a prominent involvement of woman in this. Yeah. Mm. We might skip over it a little bit later for obvious reasons, but you know. Next up is the WCW United States heavyweight title match of Conan, our current champion, with two ends apparently, versus Ric Flair with Miss Elizabeth and woman at ringside. The match I never ever thought about, but as soon as I saw it on the card, I thought, I really want this. Tax. What the fuck is Conan wearing? It's a mix between um the Sultan and Max Moon. <laughs> it looks like the Lucha member of the Be- Beatles from Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the uh quite the outfit. Uh, but the thing is though, like Conan has has been having these quite flamboyant outfits when we've seen him um, so far. And uh, compared to Flair with his uh, pink sparkles, it just looks a little bit weird. Mate, he's got a tasseled singlet. What the fuck is that? <laughs> looks so it's bad. Embracing his inner rockers, isn't he? Oh, so, the, I mean, it's almost like he's just... he's. I liken it to a ballroom sing- singlet. If you watch Strictly Come Dancing or Dancing with the Stars in the States... <laughs> I don't because I'm not a middle-class wanker, but okay. You're most welcome. <laughs> Bill Bailey won it. It can't be a middle-class thing. Bill Bailey's a legend. Dude, mid- Bill Bailey's like the program. ultimate middle-class comedian. Come on. Exactly. That's why we like him in, in my country club. <laughs> I like Bill Bailey. Don't get me wrong, but... <sighs> I'll shoot a par three with him next week. <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> Heel Flair is massively over because WCW. And racism. Yeah, sure. Spooty Sparkle Pyro. It's fucking great stuff. Flair removes his pink sparkly robe and Flair is wearing red trunks again. But usually I'd be panicked that I'm thinking Flair's going to lose here. But we've learned from this show, these series of pods at least, the Flair doesn't always lose where he's wearing red. I did not know this up until now. I have issue of the colour clash of pink and red. Yeah, true. <laughs> doesn't really work, but they're at least tonally the same. But then I don't believe that Flair could have gone away, got away with pink trunks. Well, I don't know. It is Ric Flair. I think he can do almost anything he wants at this time period, mate. He's but still. fucking everyone's wife, but no one says anything. Strictly Come Dancing Conan versus beautiful, beautiful Ric Flair. Handshake to start. Because we're both heels. Yeah. I mean, Conan's shaking hands with Flair because he's taken like 20% of Ryan Sikosis' paycheck. 
legit or there was always the rumors that conan was taking from the top by bringing the mexican guys in that people have spoken about on different pods that conan would bring in the mexican talent and he would keep allegedly part of their purse whether or not that's just again bischoff and people like that revealing their own you know lack of friendship with people like conan but it's not the first time i'd heard it but again it's it's all these old wives tales isn't it allegedly 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 you know yeah, exactly. I can't imagine Rey Mysterio, who had such prominence in Mexico, would have gone, hey, hey, Rey, do you want to come over here? But because I bought you over, I'll take 20% of your cut, that Rey would have gone, fuck you, I will get booked myself. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know much about that, to be totally honest. But the one thing I was thinking is that at the end of this pod, stay tuned, listeners, after the outro, we're going to do a little something special. And there was a Conan match on that sh- that show, which is only two months away from this where Conan is already wearing his wife beater, kind of like the Zumba's combination. So this tasseled singlet did not last long. I think he pretty much found very quickly, this is the past and NWO and WCW is the future. And you've got to change up quick, buddy. Yeah, this this was the end of Lucha Libre for Conan. Before, yeah. I mean, he still did things, but this was before he threw shoes. <laughs> Who throws a shoe? I love doing that to Meathead in SCPW. <laughs> he was on the top rope and I threw my shoe at him. Nice. <laughs> it was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, they established pretty early in this match that Conan is the face and Flair is the heel. Uh, it's a genuinely intriguing matchup, I think is a nice way of putting it. It's it's Flair I'm... working some lucha with Conan, Conan doing some Flair spots. It's it's pretty back and forth. There's not like It's not just a Flair match or a Conan match, you know? It's... it's uh, bit awkward at times but it's interesting it's certainly interesting i think when you mentioned awkward this was it reached its pinnacle when conan went for like a a like a lucha style cross body mm-hmm. and flair just caught him that the, there was a facial expression as he went down which is kind of a ugh. yeah flair doesn't seem particularly happy to be at this point in the card and to be wrestling a guy that he's not really comfortable wrestling i think and it could have been it could have been good but i can't imagine that Conan would have been able to work a Ric Flair match and Ric Flair would certainly not be able to work a Conan-style match. They're both giving some leeway to each other's style, I would say. Yeah, it's it's respectful yeah. because Flair, know, Flair knows of Conan. Conan knows of the history of Flair. It's probably a match that Flair wanted, I'd say. Maybe. Just to prove himself against it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to speculate. But I, I think more of it comes... It's it's setting up the next part of a storyline. This match is purely to set up the next stages. Sure. So, this finish is massively convoluted, so stick with me here, people. Cactus clothesline to the outside. Conan follows it up by diving onto Flair and Liz on the outside. Liz... Savage is going mental backstage. Yeah, I immediately was like, oh, he's going to have a talking to after this match, even though Macho and Liz aren't together at this point, but still. Uh, Liz barely sells it. Woman wobbles Conan off the top, and this starts the endless cheating by Flair, Liz, and Woman to kind of finish this match. In front of the referee, can mm. they do that, Joey? Yeah, sure. Shivoni, telling the story of the main event later, says it's all coming to a head, so to speak, later on. And Heenan chimes in, going, "Yeah, that's because you had adjoining rooms." Wait. <laughs> Shivoni has to cut off the next sentence to catch himself from laughing on commentary. It's it's genuinely funny. Uh, Commentary, as we said before, on fire all fucking evening. They're having a lovely, lovely time. 
Uh, Conan reverses a figure four flare kicks. Conan slaps on a figure four himself to flare. And I, okay. <laughs> Flair works his way to the ropes. Nick Patrick, the ref, then kicks Flair's hand off the ropes. Can he do that, Joey? What? This isn't even no DQ match. This is disgraceful. He hasn't got his referee's license. What the fuck is this? Like, there's talk about Nick Patrick being in the back pocket of Hogan. I wonder whether Hogan paid him just to be, like, a dick to Flair on occasions. But you've seen, like, you saw Hebner do it sometimes of cheating heels. But he's not cheating. He's just made his way to the ropes in a submission. This is how you get out of a submission. I wonder if it was one of these things where it's mistimed. Nick Patrick got it wrong. You know, he is the greatest referee of all time, remember? Mate, I think Nick Patrick's a terrible referee, to be totally honest. He's way too big. He's his little fucking he's the flappy shits. hand boot. He's the shit. Yeah, he's awful. We haven't really talked about the referees much because, you know, they're very secondary to what's happening in the ring and the story and everything. But Nick Patrick is significantly worse than most referees, I would say. I certainly have main event ref comment. Yeah, okay. Lovely air, though. <laughs> Mullets for days, mate. <laughs> Mullets for days. There's a, there's a t-shirt. Flare spots. Conan spots. Liz and women, women, woman, up on the apron, opposite sides of the ring. Liz is distracting the ref. Woman has her high heel in her hands. The spot that we've seen women do quite a few times. Flair and Conan then run a few spots for a minute or two (laughs) while everyone kind of pauses. Flair does a huge backbreaker to Conan. Looks really fucking cool. Flair wanders over to the ref who blatantly turns to see woman, Conan and Flair doesn't do anything about it though the ref then turns back to liz as flair wanders over woman eventually hits conan with her high heel who throws a shoe flair covers conan with his feet on the ropes for the one two three can he do that joey and new u.s champion as flair thanks conan with a little iggy off the side rick flair Yeah, you can see what they're doing here and the crowd popped for it because they're heels, but it's Ric Flair in WCW country. Obviously, they're going to pop, you know. I'm not overly familiar with this, but did they ever have Conan wrestle in the cruisers? Because I know obviously he's a bigger lad, but did they ever get him to wrestle in the cruisers? I know he wrestled a few of the Lucha lads here and there. Like the match I was talking about earlier, he's wrestling a guy in a mask. I can't remember what it was, but it's quite a big Lucha guy. You've got to remember a lot of these Lucha guys aren't the smaller guys we know of nowadays you know what i mean um they're like the triple a main event boys yeah sure bigger boys like like the clowns and stuff you know so maybe hit me back hit me back senor clown please do (laughs) our dms are open can we move on i i mean if i if i'm honest what's going to be a transition after a match do you think we'll see mean gene again (sighs) Mean Gene backstage in the restricted area. Ooh. Uh, Gene can hear the voice of the third man. He recognizes it, but it's muffled. What is this logic? What's actually happened is the third man's boffing Bubba the Love Sponge's <laughs> wife in there and is about to ruin his career with his own stupid thoughts. Gene chats with Shivoni, who's at ringside. Uh, it's somebody we've seen, somebody we've heard. Heenan tells Gene to offer the security guard some cash. <laughs> Have they seen? <laughs> it's really good. 
<laughs> Again, they question the whereabouts of Bischoff. Great little segment. Super silly, but really building the tension to this third man. Who could it be? Uh, I love this, mate. What do you think? It's selling. The story throughout the pay-per-view is brilliant. And it's just adding to the mystery. It makes you want to know. It desperately makes you want to find out. And yeah, well, we'll get to it in the main event. But it's hook, line, and sinker all the way for this. Yeah. So, cue the horseman music. Never trust a horse. <laughs> it's our tag team grudge match <laughs> of the horseman team of Arn Anson and Chris Benoit versus the Dungeon of Doom of Kevin Sullivan and the Giant with known racers Jimmy Hart. Goes to show how important the NWA angle is that the t- the big gold belt isn't even on the line at this pay-per-view. Yeah, no, it's definitely taken a back seat to the NWA storyline, you know. Uh, the Dungeon jump the horsemen on their way to the ring and off we go. Sullivan in his shitty yellow and red red Hogan Sito gear. Yeah, you like that? Hogan Sito? Loved it. Good choice. Well done. Well played. (laughs) It's even balding, mate. He looks just like shitty small Hogan. Um, He sells about as much as Hogan as well. Uh, I'm going to buy yellow trunks. (laughs) (laughs) But fuck all that shit. Here comes Mongo, (laughs) who immediately gets run off by the giant. Oh, he does get a Halliburton shot in first, though, so... Good old Halibut. So he hit him with a fish. <laughs> Leaving Benoit and Arn to beat the shit out of Sullivan to start the match. Uh, what did you think of this match, Gorm? Well, again, as I said earlier, I do love a double turn. And there's nothing I enjoy more than face Kevin Sullivan. Who's the heel? Who's the face? Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. It does seem like Benoit and Arn have had enough of Sullivan's no-selling bullshit as they literally just beat the shit out of him constantly and don't sell anything Sullivan does. Working stiff would be a very uh, mild understatement to the shots they were putting on him. I mean, in fairness, yeah. in fairness, you know, from the, the um, Great American Bash where Chris Benoit basically assaulted Kevin Sullivan for the whole match mm-hmm. un- un- until Sullivan tried to bog-flush him, it was... <laughs> But what's it's in the ladies' what... room, Tax? Oh, it's saucy in the... No, it's women taking poops. <laughs> like, that's not that interesting. What, they sit down too? All right, Dusty. Chill uh, out. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, it's involving two of the very best in the ring, in Arn and Benoit, mm-hmm. going against a giant who's been run off by a fish. <laughs> not Sharky. He's got gills. <laughs> and... Bloody halibut fucking... getting everywhere. <laughs> And bloody Sharky. Yeah. Not Sharky. I wish it was Sharky in oh, this. And uh, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. Uh, go on. Tell me about the finish. Giant gets the hot tag and off they go. <laughs> well, Giant tags in Giant. Fights with Benoit all the way to the back. <laughs> Sullivan, uh, yeah. They didn't... Well, I, I say... So, yeah. They, I wouldn't say they fight. They uh, walk together with no real resistance. We get our split screen um, again. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, Giant beats up Arn. And as we've seen... Through every single episode where the Giants been on it, choke slam, boom, one, two, three. Winners, WCW heavyweight champion, the Giant, and the Taskmaster, meaning Benoit or on, do not get a title match on Nitro the next night. Oh, is that how it goes? Okay, didn't know that. That was in last week's episode of Nitro. That <laughs> if Benoit and on won, they'd get a title shot against the Giant on Nitro. Didn't mention it on this show, did they? It's probably didn't bother booking it (laughs) so we get a bit of post-match shenanigans where sullivan and benoit fought up to the commentary position that's a long way up in the air 
And Benoit dives off of that position onto Sullivan on the beach set. So they get all sandy. It looks kind of funny. Uh, Sullivan and Benoit fight their way back into the ring. Giant seems to have fucked off already because he's like, ah, I don't really care about that Sullivan chap. Um, let's just quickly get through this, move on, because it's, uh, yeah, there's so much that we, yeah. Uh, woman heads to the ring. Gets a bit awkward. Uh, woman tries to stop Benoit beating up Sullivan. Woman leaves with Benoit. Giant carries off shitty Hogan Cito to the back like a little baby. Uh, less said about this, the bear, I think, mate. What do you think? It's almost time for our main event, which means we get to see the hype man for WCW pay-per-view. Moving on Michael. to Michael. Let me do my spot, you piece of shit. <laughs> I'm being Lex Luger. I'm shitting all over your spot. <laughs> to our main event of the evening and this entire formation of the NWO series we've been doing. Our six-man tag team match of Hulk Hogan and the Outsiders of... I mean... (laughs) 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 It's a six-man tag. It's meant to be, at least. Okay. So, the Outsiders of Hall and Nash versus Lex Luger, Randy Savage, and Sting. I definitely didn't spoil it. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking outstanding. We managed to... We joked about it, and we managed to get almost to the end of the 10th episode... (laughs) Everyone knows. <laughs> Who cares? No, genuinely though. Genuinely, I shit you not. There'll be some young wrestlers or young trainees who are aware of the NWO, but they wouldn't be aware of this point in time. Mm, I don't know about that, but whatever. Who, I, well, who, would they I be sh- listening to I this fucking podcast? Not. Honestly, that's that's why I'm about to shit on Voltage. Again. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Voltage. I was like, so what do you think's the best? best match of all time and it was like oh well when the shield took on no just voltage are wrong just no it's just yeah, wrong yeah, absolutely no 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 definitely not when i realized that voltage started watching wrestling when the shield had formed and i was a bit like i was watching wrestling in oh dear <laughs> i'm very old so we get a decent enough video package to start the graphics are a bit saved by the bell looking but you know you know it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the music is super cheesy. It's like 90s porn music. Uh, we pan across this super no vacancy crowd to Michael Buffer, as you were saying, in his snazzy blue and black tux. Buffer runs down the storyline and does his shtick. It's an expensive luxury, isn't he? But he builds up hype again. It's just taking it up yeah, another level. He? It's got the importance level. Does he, though? I remember watching WCW shows in the past. I had Bruce Buffer doing the main event commentary or whatever, commentary introductions, and thinking, is this just a guy that, like, you know, they do a favor to to keep his career going? It's <laughs> because I didn't watch boxing as a kid, and I understand that Buffer was the guy that did all the boxing introductions. He's like the big name, et cetera, et cetera. But weren't they paying him like a million fucking dollars a time to come do this? I'm not sure of the figure, but he, he had name value. Yeah. In, in legit sport, he had name value, which is why Dana White made the mistake and went, oh yeah, Buffer, Bruce. I think Bruce Buffer's better than Michael Buffer, mate. I think Bruce Buffer's I a fucking Don. <laughs> does he still do UFC? Fuck yeah, he does. Sleep with your wife as well. <laughs> He's the best. Ah, <laughs> oh, so him and Flair. <laughs> Pretty much, mate. He's like a known party boy. Yeah, he really is. Anyway. So, the same generic 90s porn music from the promo kicks in as here come the outsiders. They're like, oh, let's change that music pretty fucking quickly. 
and thank God they do, but oh, terrible. It's almost like they tried to get old Razor-style music in the background for the Outsiders. Mm, this is straight out the stock music folder, isn't it? Jimmy Hart's ripped-off music collection from his mate. Do you want me to play that mix again? <laughs> I mean, it's the it's better than this music. <laughs> Buffer is apologizing for there only being two of them on their way to the ring. Very interesting way of doing this. Commentary are putting it over very, very hard that there isn't a third man. Dusty goes, they've got to play their hand sooner rather than later. You're like, oh, the tension here is... Oh, it's palpable, mate. It's great stuff. Dusty did a good, did a good job with that. Mm. I know we've been a bit critical of Dusty through the shows he's done, but when it comes to this main event stuff, the passion he has just for these guys are dicks. They don't belong here. We need to get them out. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad with WCW. And it just gets that whole team mentality going. Yeah, fucking A. Hall and Nash get to the ring and hit square to trigger their custom poses. <laughs> To a huge pop. Sting's music plays and then stops. I'm like, what? Here comes Mean Gene into the ring because WCW, right? <laughs> Gene chats to Buffer. Bit weird. Gene grabs the mic off Buffer. Then Mean Gene confronts the outsiders about where is this third man? Gentlemen, if I could have your attention. I don't have police protection with me at this time, but I want to confront you in front of this full house here at the Ocean Center and millions of others across the country and around the world. I don't see three men here tonight. Where is your partner? You know, Scheme Gene, Chico, you know too much already. All you need to know, little man, is he's here and he's ready. Well, if he's... Well, wait a minute. Where is he? Is your partner telling me that your third man is in the building? Oh, he's here all right, Gene. Let me tell you something. We got enough to handle it right now, right here. Oh, for quite... Come on. Oh, man, I'm going to tell Come you what. Come on. They cannot handle our three guys. Yeah, okay, let's send three out and just kick their teeth in and get it over with. There you go. Man called Sting hits. Here comes the WCW team. Good man or man called Sting. <laughs> Good lord, that is a lot of pyro. It's like they took Luger's Sting and Macho's pyro and just went, fuck it, just do it all at once. <laughs> It'll be great. New Year's Eve happened at Bash at the Beach. Hall starts on Luger. And after everyone sells the lack of the third man, Hall and Luger get us underway. Mayhem almost immediately. This match is fucking dynamite it's crazy mayhem constantly it's brilliant overbooking that this story needs right you couldn't just have it as an arm drag on an arm bar to start with could you you no. needed to have the 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 straight off the bat gung-ho because then i mean, you saw the crowd erupt when they started bashing each other it was great yeah lex jumps nash on the apron Nash eventually starts to choke Lex on the top turnbuckle on the outside. Using the reverse cuddle motion. <laughs> Sting jumps in to give Nash a stinger splash, crushing Lex's neck onto the turnbuckle. I'm giving this a lot of favours here. <laughs> He's the third man. 
<laughs> That's the implication almost. It's very well done. Lex is out on the outside, completely knocked out from having his throat crossed. Yeah, logic. <laughs> Macho and Sting sell the shit out of it, coming to check on Lex, checking he's okay, stopping the match practically just to check on Lex. Medics out with... Celebrating. <laughs> celebrating. They might be able to get a good match. Medics out with a stretcher to take Lex away. Yay! <laughs> it's now two on two. The ref even goes, okay, two on two, boys. Let's go. Sting and Hall get us restarted. Yes, please. You forget how good Hall is with all the problems. you. I, and again... Sting and Hall in the same ring was beautiful. It only lasts for a moment, but it's... These dudes can work. Hall slaps the Stinger, leading into the best Sting, Aggro Sting. When Sting gets angry, oh, he's so good, man. It's like the... Aggressive Sting works so well. It's like the beginnings of Crow Sting, just starting to see that character developing, getting pissed off and angry and stuff. Really? And... And that's the thing. They knew they knew where they were going at this stage. With a lot of the main players and the key players in WCW, they had a plan, which is why this worked so well. Macho and Nash tag in as Dusty gets stuck on repeat for a little bit. Who be bad now? Well, uh, Who be bad now? Well, Who be bad well, now? Well, <laughs> and Nash puts out his quad. Uh, yeah. So uh, outsiders beat up Macho enough that he had to tag out. Outsiders then beat up Sting for about 10 to 15 minutes. Sting selling. Oh, this is the oh. point in commentary where they try and sell that WCW had, team had been picked by a lottery, which had been shat on earlier by Luger and his promo saying it's brilliant to have been picked to represent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sting selling here, man. God, he's so good. Like Sting is one of the shining superstars in this show for me. And this whole series, Sting, for match for match, promo for promo, segment for segment. He's just so willing and so capable and so charismatic. He's just fucking awesome. My notes for this, it just basically says Sting, untouchable at this time. Yeah, really, really. That's the perfect way of putting it. Sting begins to fight his way back into it against the outsiders. Sting gets the hot tag to Macho. Axe handles for everyone. Second rope, top rope, <laughs> just axe handles for days until Nash gives Macho an axe handle of his own to the bollocks. Right in the giblets. <laughs> Which cues the moment. The apex of WCW, the end of Hulkamania, the formation of the NWO. I Wait, hang on. No. Whose side is he on? <laughs> I think we can sum this up best with these kind of classic, like, legendary calls on commentary. Shivoni, Hulk Hogan is here. Dusty, Hulk Hogan is in the building! Dusty, go get him, Hulkster! Heenan, go on. Whose side's he on? <laughs> Dusty, who? What are you talking about? <laughs> so funny. Fucking Heenan, what's he doing? I mean, you you said he was salty for the night, so I wonder if Heenan was like, just gonna fuck this. I mean, this is the one moment of contention with this whole moment, which is perfect, basically. 
apart from the bit where Heenan completely gives it away before it happens. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we all see it coming. If you're a wrestling fan, even in 96, you know what's about to happen. They've been building and building and building and building. There is a chance that Hogan won't turn heel. But even the most jaded of fan must see this coming, right? But it's Hulkamania. And there's yeah. no one of colour in the ring. Why is he going to shit him over? <laughs> nice. I like it. Hogan. Oh, how, however, sorry. Before we get that, uh, my, my note on the ref. Fucking idiot referee. When he reels that there's a double down and just looks up and goes, what happened? <laughs> oh, crowd. What happened? Even looking at the fucking camera going, oh, what happened? Moron. Yeah, it's not great. Hogan gets in the ring, rips off his shirt, full Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania style to a quite a big pop. It's not, 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 you know, WrestleMania 3 sort of pop, but it's, it's big. Considering he'd been away and they'd shat on him quite a bit on Nitro and, and Saturday night, um, and he'd taken his time off to come back to almost a hero's return as such when he ripped off that top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hogan it's just, drops yeah. the leg to Savage. Heenan chimes in. Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. Probably the lowest shot ever delivered to professional wrestling. Hang on, did he just see what Nash did? <laughs> Hogan high fives Hall and Nash. Shivoni, let's get everybody out of the dressing room and kick his rear end. Hall begs Hogan to drop the leg on Macho again. Hogan throws the ref over the top rope to the outside. Hogan drops the leg to Macho for the second time. Hall counts the pinfall. Can he do that, Joey? Thank you. What a moment. I was marking out so hard. I've seen it before. Knew what was going to happen. I knew every moment. I knew every line. Just, just marking out so much. It's so, so well executed. It's fucking great. There's a whole new appreciation for this now, isn't there? Because of watching the whole build up from Hall's arrival all the way up to this. The little snippets, the little tasters we had throughout the whole run of these last 10 episodes. And to see it culminate here. And as you said, we knew it happened, but just hearing those sound bites in the moment from all three of those commentators. And that thing you said, they are iconic moments from commentary, even Heenan fucking up. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not Heenan fucking up. It's it's just Heenan being always distrusting of Hulkamania, as he always has been. So whilst he did give away the surprise, essentially, it's Heenan's character. He's distrusting of Hulk Hogan, heel or face. Yep, absolutely. It's... It's just the best. It's one of the most important moments in professional wrestling history. It changed everything. I've I've watched a lot of um, Bischoff and other people, Hall and Nash especially, talking about they didn't know whether Hogan was going to come out when they were on their way to the ring. They had no idea. They knew that it was a possibility, but they knew that Hogan wasn't convinced yet. And it took, like, you know, (laughs) Bischoff backstage being like, look, this is the best thing for you. And there's lots of talk about Hogan's contract and how he took a percentage of the house, he took a percentage of pay-per-view buys, and, you know, it's a big deal. If this works, Hogan gets rich and really, 
really fucking rich. If it doesn't work, Hogan's just fucking ruined his career. It's such a crazy moment when you start to break it down. And it and it paid off. And it's one of those things, again, that they continue to build Hogan into the real life of this when Tony Schiavone goes on and says, like, I think it's like, um, sorry, I'm paraphrasing, but okay. I think it's like, it's been premeditated since Hogan's arrival in 1994. Yep. I think it was sort of exactly akin to what he, he says, said. Yeah. And it's just, and it's true because you've got these outsiders coming in to take over from WWF. You've had Hogan there since 94 where people are like, what the hell is Hogan doing in WCW? <laughs> yeah. And to piece that all together so seamlessly to this this moment. And then, you know, and, and it's not over. It's not over yet on the show. Hall and Nash do Hogan's old shtick by posing for the crowd to a mix of boos and cheers as rubbish starts to flood into the ring. Now, for us, watching this on the network, there's a little jump cut here that you might not be able to tell because W's editing team are very good as we cut to Hall and Nash sharing a laugh. But live, a fan jumps the guardrail. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Nash confronts him immediately. The fan shits himself the second he's standing face-to-face with Kevin Nash. Security drag the fan down and out of the ring. Scott Hall wanders over, sees what's happening, doesn't know that this fan hasn't actually attacked Nash or anything like that. But Scott Hall's like, fuck this, and stomps the guy's head as hard as he fucking can, like six or seven times. It's genuinely scary stuff, man. So for us watching this on the network, you can see like right in front of the hard cam, there's a group of four or five security members all like fending fans off. There's literally fans ripping off their shirts and trying to jump the guardrail. It's crazy the heat they got in this moment. In the words of Gorilla Monsoon, pandemonium. Absolutely. I've heard bits and bobs about this being a work. It doesn't seem like it to me. This is this is shooty shoot because even if you're a completely cock ass wrestler, cur- essentially curb stomping someone seven or eight times is not a work. I think the Montreal Screwjobs are work, so I don't know. I'm not convinced. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that that's that's a pod in itself, which I I, I will talk to you about at another point yeah i don't know about the screw job just because it's been done over and over and over again but the build or the fallout of the screw job could be interesting podcasting we'll see exactly what anyway yeah but in, much of a muchness in a hail of beers food wrappers and all sorts of shit being thrown into the ring mean gene heads into the ring because wcw because yeah <laughs> <laughs> mean gene says hulk hogan excuse me Excuse me, as a beer floods into the ring all over Gene. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. I have been with you for so many years for you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you want to put yourself in this group? You've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, 
is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north, and everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? I've been there, I've done that. You have made the wrong decision, in my opinion. Well, let me tell you something. I made that organization a monster. I made people rich up there. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. And when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And billionaire Ted promised me world-caliber matches. And as far as billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, the so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we gonna take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me, we will destroy everything in our path, Mean Gene. Look at all of this crap in this ring. This is what's in the future for you if you wanna hang around the likes of this man Hall and this man Nash. As far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. For two years, brother, for two years, I held my head high. I did everything for the charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. Because if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would be still selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, all these Johnny-come-latelys that you see out here, wrestling wouldn't be here. I was selling out the world, brother, while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school. So the way it is now, brother, with Hulk Hogan and the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother, me and the new blood by my side, what you gonna do when the New World Organization runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What are you hey, gonna do? Don't touch me, I'm gonna free the lawyers. What an incredible promo. That sends goosebumps all over my arm. And the fact is, that promo in itself transformed professional wrestling to how we know it, how it became a global juggernaut, how WWE then had the power to become a listed entity on the New York Stock Exchange. 
the reason why we have these mass fan access things like hundreds of thousands of people going to Mania every year purely because of the Attitude Era that was sparked purely by this promo. Yep. It's, I detest Hulk Hogan. I think he's a horrible, racist, greedy, cunty piece of shit that never put Brett over, that never put Kidman over, that ruined WCW, that... I love how you put the two names of Brett and Kidman in the same level. <laughs> never put Brett over. Never that's, put Billy that's Kidman over. That's always the claim when everyone's like, you never put people over. They're like, I put Kidman over. No, he fucking didn't. We podcasted about it. Go listen to it. He never put Kidman over clean. Put Beefcake over. <laughs> Fuck that guy. But okay. I hate Hulk Hogan with a passion. But this promo is perfect. It's, you could, it's so you important. It it's so so important that he got this promo right and he fucking nailed it from top to bottom every word every phrase every bit of cheesy pro wrestling that's stuck in there it's fucking awesome and you could tell when he does his promo to start with he he evolves in this promo because when he first started you could tell there was nerves he was still hitting every point but he wasn't into it for like the first couple of lines. And then when he saw the reaction, you saw Hogan realize what he'd done, as you said earlier about, he was doing that promise case of, I have just made myself and a lot of people very, very rich. It goes from a pop where the crowd are like, wow, we were here when it happened to fuck you, (laughs) you piece of shit. It's, brilliant and the way they're doing it the way they're getting it over it's a shame he slips up over the new world order new world organization bit a little bit there towards the end oh well no that that's that's on nitro the next night the new world organization i don't think he said it on this promo did he, he does he says it three times you just heard it remember? Uh, <laughs> sorry i'm just bought into the whole whole thing of it because it's okay and, and that's the thing looking looking back at this We've seen this many times. We've seen this promo many times. But going, sounds really cheesy, but going on this journey from Slamboree when everything was to shit in WCW yeah. to the next night on Nitro when our good friend the Mauler, <laughs> never been seen since, ah, Blake Beverly. Um, Miss him. was still there. It's so much more impactful watching this whole run because like other, other people would have seen this moment, people have probably never watched this match start to finish. They would have seen the promo, but just piecing it all together, it's, you know, I, 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 people may think we're over-exaggerating. This is the most pivotal moment in US professional wrestling. This changes wrestling from stupid, silly gimmicks to much more realistic. This is, you know, much more serious Japanese-style product for WCW. That was Bischoff's aim. He talks about it quite a lot. I recently watched a couple of interviews with him just to kind of get his perspective of it. He'd spent some time in Japan. He knew what he wanted to go with. He wanted a more sports-orientated kind of product. It's it's kind of a shame that Bischoff didn't... didn't. I think he was too reliant on Hulk Hogan and just knowing that that would work and all WWF names and stuff like this to make it work. It's, it's kind of gutting that he wasn't like really a, a smart wrestling fan to know how to develop this over time. And he ran out of the ideas and he got burnt out and... It wasn't his money he was spending, so he never felt responsible for it, is what it always comes across like to me. Um, I think from my my point of view with it, 
is the long-term plan to get an NWO show and a WCW show. They needed to have the talent to be able to have a show. So they needed to pile people into the NWO and have eventually Hollywood and Wolfpack. So they had those feuding factions for when they went off and did their own thing in TV and had NWO as its own separate brand and WCW as its own separate brand. Mm, But I think the whole timing side of things, because obviously logically you can't go and do a TV show with six guys and then just have everyone rock up um, wearing NWO shirts, although that's essentially what happened on a lot of nitros. <laughs> Nitro for the next few years, yeah, but still. <laughs> Go on. But I think had they managed to get that divide between putting NWO on Monday nights and WCW onto Thunder, I think it would have started paying off and giving them the freshness that they needed. But as you said, where, where Bischoff burnt out, I think where he ran out of those ideas, uh, hold on, hold on, it hold just on. made it impossible. We'll get there. To me, the the idea of an NWO show and a WCW show is the, the like literally the point that Bischoff loses here. I think this is where it all goes wrong, because instead of having a heel faction in your neutral company where you have faces they can wrestle against, he immediately ends up piling on wrestlers into this NWO faction. You got to remember, in a couple of weeks, I think it's a couple of weeks, it might even be less. Show ends up in the NWO. And then eventually Bischoff joins the NWO. And then there's like fucking 50 people in this NWO crew that are all meant to be heels. And then people start to fall out with each other. And that's where you end up with the NWO Wolf Pack in Hollywood. Because, you know, Hogan falls out with Nash, like behind the scenes. They're like, Nash, like, well, fuck that guy. We'll do a face NWO version. <laughs> and it doesn't fucking work. So they end up doing the finger poker doom because Hogan has creative control. Then NWO Hogan ends up wearing like red and black on Nitro the next night and stuff. It's from the very beginning of that. It's not we've got a cool faction who we can use in our product. It's we've got a build towards having this giant NWO so they can go and have their own TV show that doesn't fucking work. Did it once on Nitro where they did NWO Nitro and it was a disaster. And then this WCW show. And let's face it, Raw and SmackDown feuding makes no fucking sense. And that's what Bischoff is setting up here. So whenever Bischoff is like, oh, but I had this great idea to have the NWO on one show and WCW on the other show and have interbrand feud, I'm like, no, just because WWE did it doesn't mean it's good. It was fucking terrible. Oh, well, I think the early brand split, the early brand split when they didn't have just basically flaunted the rules because when you did have those cross-promotional matches because you wouldn't have had the same hype for Angle and HBK had they not been on different brands. That just, added to it. And yes, granted, it's a very isolated example. And also, by giving that brand split in WWE, that's when you got, obviously, the world-famous SmackDown 6. They wouldn't have had their opportunity without a split brand. So whilst, obviously, I'm only arguing for the sake of argument and the cool. sake of debate because yeah. it's good good audio to have, the concept of having two shows for feuding brands, if you could get both those shows hot to then have crossover and cross-promotional stuff from a pay-per-view standpoint... There is appeal and there is money there because it's never the whole it's, idea. It's the t- literally never been an appeal to me. The only time that sort of thing has ever been an appeal to me is when it's two well-booked factions, one's heel, one's face. You can't do that with two different shows. You can't have a heel show and a face show. It makes no fucking sense. They're TV shows. They're not good or bad. You know what I mean? It's kind of ridiculous when you really break it down. Yeah, but, but if you have the only time it works leader, is when of heel NWO versus face of WCW. As, as, as your feud because obviously NWO would be its own 
heels and faces. WCW would be its own heels and faces. And again, if you can build enough big stars to make there be a crossover thing, and that was the thing at the time, because obviously they were doing the deals with Japan to still get their stars to be wasted. Quick question, just on this front, okay? If you've got your top NWO heel on NWO Nitro, okay, you've got, say, Sting, your top WCW guy, on Thunder every week on Thursday nights. They're on different shows at different times of the week. How the fuck do you build a story? That's what they did with HBK and Angle, using it again as my go It was example. shit! <laughs> How dare you? No, no, no. Angle HBK was not shit. The build was not shit. The match was not shit. It was great. Yeah, okay. I mean, granted, yeah, I, I'm clutching and it was a, a one-off example of how the brand extension works. Sure. But the problem is that you have Hogan going, oh, no, no, but it doesn't work for me, brother, every week anyway. So none of this would have worked because they've got that massive issue with Hulk Hogan with the creative control. And he's a prick. <laughs> I look forward to seeing Hogan versus Disco in the main <laughs> event of Hogwild 2043. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's such a shame where this goes. By 2000, man, fucking hell. They fucked this up so badly. That's four years, dude. That's not a long time for professional wrestling, really. Well, considering that TNA has lasted, well, TNA slash Impact has lasted longer than WCW, what yeah. does that tell you? Yeah, exactly. Well, the, 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 the big, big problem from day one is that Bischoff is not responsible for the money being spent. It's like he has an open checkbook. And I know he's like, oh, we paid them less to come to WCW than they had WWF. Like, nah, man. They were working like one day a week with you. They were working like five, six days a week for Vince. It's, it's a big temptation. And yeah, they were paying lots of dudes a lot of money by the end of it. But when you're not responsible for like, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on entrances and stuff, like we're going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> it, oh, it's just, uh, I think there's always that massive problem there. That they, I think, but can dump money. I'll always on a go Hogan, on the other side. Know? I'll I'll go on the other side of things. So again, for the sake of argument, but Bischoff has always said the main goal was to make WCW profitable. Mm-hmm. So as he was running it to start with, from a business standpoint, the goal was to use TNT money to turn a profit. But I think him getting involved in the NWA storyline. And I think because obviously that's what Vince was doing at the time with Austin and Brett and the whole screw job situation. I think what happened there is Bischoff got a flavor for it. And had he stayed as an exec, even if he just stayed as an on-screen personality out of the NWO, his eyes might not have been jaded, but then he became one of the boys. Yeah. And when he becomes one of the boys, that is the problem. The fame, the money is too tempting, man. He wanted to be that cool dude riding the Harley with Hulk Hogan to the ring, you know? And instead, he's now just a multi-millionaire doing quite well for himself. I've got to say, he did an interview for, with Louis for WrestleTalk. What a lovely bloke. <laughs> he's genuinely awesome. He gave Louis like three hours of his time. He, he's got to the stage now in his career where you know, he, he will embellish stories and he will still believe what is, what is right. But from my standpoint, if I'm listening to Something to Wrestle and 83 Weeks, I prefer 83 weeks because I prefer Bischoff over Pritchard because at least Bischoff is a case of he'll go, no, this is my opinion of what happened rather than this is what happened. Yeah, and flat out fucking lying like Pritchard does. Pritchard. I mean, on the plus point, they didn't set Alexa Bliss on fire. So, you know, he's, he's, come, he's pulled one back. <laughs> True. 
I've got to say, I do like um, hearing Conrad shout at Pritchard on their podcast when it's bullshitting. It's really fun. Bischoff bullshits plenty as well, but you know, it's good. It's a good relationship. The Podfather, gotta love him. So, I mean, let's cornflake rating this show. Oh, hold on, hold on. The NWO pose in the ring. Shivoni oh, says, <laughs> "All right, we have the scene. The end of Hulkamania." Shivoni finishes the show by going, "Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell, straight to hell." Right before we cut to the credits and the sharky graphic from the beginning. Thank you, maintenance engineer Phil Rin. Whee! <laughs> also, Tony Schiavone's wife in the credits. Oh, really? Interesting. Yep. We get one last slow-mo shot of the NWO raising their hand in the middle of the WCW ring. The beginning of the end. <laughs> Tony Schiavone steals my fucking line. We're out of here. Great show, man. Top's the bottom. Cornflake rating. Go for then, it. Then ruined by credits. Yeah, the credits are so <laughs> dumb, but you know, it's WCW. They're going to do it. Um, Cornflake rating for this show alone um, is going to be a three cornflake for me for the show overall. Okay. Because even though there were some moments of pure brilliance with the NWA storyline, great opening with Psychosis and Ray, there was just a bit too much shit on it. <laughs> I mean, ten- Tenter and Bubble was funny, but it wasn't great. Yeah. And Gomez, Mongo, shit the bed. Nasties and Public Enemy, shit the bed twice and then change the sheets and shit it again. Yep. So that's that's where I'm at for this episode alone. But after you've done yours, we'll do the whole series. I'll go four because I love a shit wrestling match. There was plenty on this. Uh, there was <laughs> <laughs> one amazing match at the beginning. And like one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history. Um, I don't think I can go lower than four. I had a fucking marvelous time watching this show. Even like the Horseman and Dungeon of Doom was kind of funny. Seeing Kevin Sullivan to get beat the shit, beat the fuck up, you know. It's good. But overall, I mean, oh, we need we, to talk about the NWO build, don't we? Like, this is why we did this whole show, wasn't it? Yeah. So. The whole purpose of this series, one, because we thought it'd be funny to see if we could podcast for uh, 10 episodes of Nitro. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we always say thank you for people listening. But the fact that our, our listener numbers have really, really jumped during this 10 series run. It's been it's been great to have that level of of listens coming in. So it's nice to know that the concept for what we did work and the topic is obviously of interest to wrestling fans yeah man but this has to be five cornflakes from the execution the delivery the shock value the teases i'm going five cornflakes for the formation of the nwo this series yeah the whole whole premise of it five cornflakes hands down story overall the whole premise of the nwo forming everything was absolutely fucking brilliant they even had the balls to not give us anything for a week here and there just to make you go, oh, there was nothing this week. What's going to be next week? Just to keep you excited. Make you want more. In terms of in-ring, it's, it has some big, big lows, like some horrible drops where it's absolutely abysmal. But they make up for it with the cruises, the main event scene, like Giant is booked amazingly big heel champion choke slamming people in a couple of minutes exactly how he should be booked there's there's lots of great in-ring content here 
um overall booking standards not just the nwo but the, the rest of the shows what do you think about the booking there it's difficult to gauge because they had this whole new direction. I mean, this is the issue we had with Glacier. He's got a debut in July. He doesn't debut in July. We've got what's happened to Harlem Heat. They've won the straps, but they've got no feud. Fire and ice so you've too. Got, Do you get it? They're not, yeah. <laughs> they, they've just turned into electric. Yeah. But they've they've still got their they had their their you know their their follow on storylines. We still had to get to the end of Macho and Flair. We still had to get through the fucking lethal lottery to get DDP as a as a main star. It was such a bad start and it got so good so quickly. So I think it's difficult to gauge the booking because they were would have been trying to piece this Hall and Nash thing together whilst booking it so they were leaving things very open ended. But I think from a like storyline progression, you know, even coming out of this and you know we don't dwell on it too much but you've got Ben while leaving with woman, mm-hmm. the whole stuff with Kevin Sullivan there. Yep. You've got Giant there. Flair's a new champion. What's going to happen there? A couple of episodes ago, we had Harlem Heat and the Steiners. Again, nowhere to be seen on this card, but their feud's going to continue. So they've started planting the seeds. I think they needed, and they knew at this time, they needed to get out of the old guard, like the Tenters, like the Bubbers, get rid of Kevin Sullivan, because this modern turn is what they needed. So booking is a... F- four because well, i know we don't do half cornflakes is a four because of you know the storylines they saw them through whether or not they were good or not they saw them through and the pure gold of mongo and kevin green yeah one of the big highlights was that match of mongo and green against the horsemen fuck they turned that around because it was looking so bad to start with and it was a you've got to penetrate penetrate in the back baby <laughs> what on that note this has been so much fun We will definitely have to revisit WCW at some point in the future. But next week, we are going to be doing Triple Mania, which has become somewhat of a tradition for us. It's one of my favorite shows every single year to do. It's fucking mayhem. I love the procession of ashes and flags (sighs) with a dead president. But this is going to be interesting because, you know, there's going to be no one to cheer louder. So the wrestlers won't be able to work harder. Yeah, fucking A, man. Uh, what's your social media, bud? Um, at the Tex Williams on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, uh, Powered 4 TV are going to be doing some deals at the moment. So if you want to go and see my work for Pro Wrestling All-Stars out of Belgium, uh, one of our a couple of our shows are on there for that. Obviously, you can check out the SCPW YouTube channel for some of my previous work, matches and commentary and managing, including my personal highlight of me managing uh, Mr. Wicked against Doug Williams 1 and Doug Williams 2. Those two matches are gold. Fuck yeah, man. Highly recommended. Uh, I'm at Fanboy Rich on Twitter. You can find all my content on WrestleTalk and Parts of Unknown and Phenomenons and everywhere else I work. Um, and Cineworld as well. I, I do their videos there. Anyway, um, so... WhatOfWrestlingPodcast.com is the website. Go to Amazon, buy yourself a t-shirt. By the time you probably listen to this, in the future, there'll be more than one t-shirt. So if you just search World of Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, you will find a bunch of designs on there, hopefully. Um, to throw it out there, we've got quite a lot of cool shit happening, which we can't talk about yet. But I like a tease. And uh, yeah, 
big things in the works, eh? Exciting times ahead. Mm. So, <laughs> thank you for joining me on this journey, bud. It's been so much fun. I love WCW. Um, we do have our next series planned. We do. Should we announce it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Announce it. We can announce okay. that. We are going to be doing our next 10 series show will be on the formation of aces and eights in TNA. We're going to do a 10 show run of TNA, which means we're probably going to get more listens than they've ever had viewers for the less fortunate. <laughs> Let's do TNA. <laughs> so just to clarify, I thought we were doing more than just the formation. Well, that we are going from the wedding. Don't worry. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> yeah. Ace I'm quickly searching back through my notes. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do Aces and Eights from TNA. We will decide which bits soon. If you want to have a say, give us a shout on the old Twitter, a world of rest pod. The best place to find all our stuff. Thank you. Oh, no, I've got it. Go I've got the run. Sorry. Go apologies. on, Ed. Go on, Ed. So this run will start on the 17th of January, 2013, where Aces and Eights ruin Bully Ray's wedding to Brooke Hogan. And we're going to go all the way to lockdown that year. Amazing. I can't wait, man. I've only seen bits and bobs. I haven't seen the whole thing. Who the fuck watched TNA the first time apart from you? <laughs> it, ha- it was basically Bischoff's version of Sons of Anarchy and got his, uh, got his kid and Wes Briscoe involved. Yep. I'm on board. Everyone knows about it. But again, much like with the NWO stuff, I don't think everyone's seen it. So I think this is going to be a really, really fun set of shows. We're going to have some killer matches. We know their cruiser division and stuff were fucking insane. X division, whatever. And they had some really, but also, really big names and some really shitty gimmicks. So it could be good. And also, um, obviously, we're not going to go straight into that series. As Rich said, we're going to be going on to Triple Mania next. And then we're going to head over to Japan. We are. Not us actually going to Japan at the moment, but we're going to go and watch some shows from Japan. Yep, we're just going to do a couple of spot shows before we jump into TNA. Uh, we haven't announced which shows, but we know which companies we're going to be doing. Yes, the big three. Not New Japan. No, no, no. We'll be going revisiting Stardom, one of our one of our earliest podcasts back in the archive where we did one like the Stardom Grand Prix, which is wonderful. We'll also be going to go what was what was formerly Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, but they've now dropped the Tokyo from their name, if memory serves me correctly. Pass. And most importantly, the return to the craziest wrestling promotion outside of AAA. We're going back to DDT, baby. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. But then we'll be flooding into TNA. And so uh, subscribe, get on your timelines, you know, keep an eye. Enjoy the spot shows in between. And uh, yeah, WCW, man. It's been a ride. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. After two months of teasers, we were promised a debut from Glacier in July 1996. Another two months go by to September blood continued to run cold <laughs> for four months to <laughs> September 1996 as Glacier doesn't debut on pay-per-view he doesn't even debut on Nitro he debuts on WCW Pro Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but fuck that bollocks we're gonna watch the wcw monday night show from the 16th of september 1996 just the glacier debut you ready this tax? is gonna be brilliant i'm ready right if you want to line up the network lovely humans at home to 56 minutes exactly on the september 16th 1996 wcw monday nitro I'm going to count this down so we can all hit play at the same time and watch this together. Oh, so it's going to be three, two, one. Play. Play. Yeah, that'll be it. Okay. okay cool. Are ready? Okay. Three, two, one. Play. Mine paused. What? <laughs> 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 Fucking network, man. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go back to 56? Yeah, then? back to 56 minutes, please, mate. Fucking network. It's so unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> oh crikey 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 right back to 56 minutes i mean this is typical of our pod isn't it something had to go wrong at the end right oh yeah of course this super this bumper is... bonus episode we're doing it's like two and a half hours long <laughs> this is super good audio the problem is where i'm trying to watch this on my phone the ability to get to like the exact minute is ridiculous hang on there we go i've got 10 seconds to go so okay. i'll pause it and then i'll press play again you can just count down if you want no, because I'll get it wrong. Right. <laughs> I could do a super kick, but that's it. Right. Okay. I'm ready. Right, 56 minutes. <laughs> right. Three, <laughs> two, one, play. Hey, it played this time. Good stuff. Hey, Big Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> wax on, wax off. He beats people 100% of the time full time, but he just lost to Sharky. <laughs> this is two months down the line. Oh, here we that. go. Here we yeah. go. Look at this light show. Mate, the faux fucking Mortal Kombat music. <laughs> I, I like the fact they still use uh, Sting's AEW Snow. Is he walking backwards? <laughs> oh, he, oh, hello. <laughs> he knows Kung Fu. <laughs> Oh, mate, look at him oh, go. Wow. It's Sub-Zero. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole gimmick, isn't it? It's literally a massive ripoff of fucking Sub-Zero. And here comes the snow, and he's telling us to wait one minute. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> a very intense look. <laughs> a very intense look. <laughs> I mean, how much do you think that helmet cost? Mate, this whole ske- setup cost about 10 grand. Jesus Each time Christ. they did this entrance, it cost them like 10 grand in like just engineers to come do the stuff. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I watched the Bischoff talking about it. They had to hire three different engineers to come do all the lights and the snow and everything every time he made this entrance. I mean, he's, he's just taken off his other spooty robe. He's adjusted. Oh, no, he's taken off his crotch pad. And he's taken off his mask. So oh. the whole gimmick's been taken off now. He almost could have gone, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice roll there. The lasers. Couple of wheel kicks. Ooh, Very he's nice. agile. <laughs> he just went back, back, forwards. <laughs> down, down, right square. Down, down, right square. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey. Look at this. This is like, I love techno. May it's. I'm pretty sure I've seen this man dance in a gentleman's club <laughs> <laughs> for specific types of gentlemen. Who's he wrestling? I don't even know. Oh, it's Big Bubba, obviously. Yeah, Bubba, Bubba. Oh, look at that face paint because we're in WCW, so we've got to have face paint. <laughs> Bubba looking up to the snow. <laughs> Bubba, Bubba's impressed. He's like, what the fuck oh, is this? 
We've got Sin Cara lights. I didn't think we'd have Sin Cara lights for a wrestling match. Oh, he knows Kung Fu. Does this light? <laughs> well, they're not going to change the lights, are they? This is going to be blue. Yeah, this is brilliant. Oh, I don't know about that. It's so cold. Oh. Oh, leg sweep. Well done, Glacier. And he's, don't go and do the hand thing. Invite him in. Oh, boo. Sweep the leg. Oh, duck the big man. Oh, well ducked, Bubba. How pissed off would you be being Bubba right now having to put this shit over? In his pleather pants. (laughs) Non-uniform boss man, yeah. Oh, Mr. Punch hit his face into the canvas. What a (laughs) manoeuvre. I should have realised you got straight into commentary mode here. This is great. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> Today, not being familiar with the familiarity. Brilliant. <laughs> Boss man just stiffed the shit out of him with those slaps. That was great. The fans are there. Yep, they certainly are. They're, they're not um, hmm, hyped. Maybe they're cold. <laughs> Boss man being sensible getting out of the ring. Oh, wow. Do you recognise... Don't let this be Glacier's debut with Bubba just leaving. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, that's it. That's what you want your new top baby face. Getting attacked by Bubba. <laughs> Raining strikes down. He's got an interesting cell. He's doing the whole taker type cell. Like, he's kind of going, but then not falling. Oh, nice. Oh. That was cool. Nice one to do the people's elbow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Glace has learned to know sell like Luger. <laughs> he sweeped the leg. He kicked the leg. He swept the leg out of his leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice big spit by Bubba. That must have been snow from the intro. Mate, listen to how they're calling this on commentary. That's Bischoff, right? Yep. Oh, he loves it. His karate fucking mark, isn't he? Nerd. <laughs> oh, oh that was kick. awesome. Oh, took his chin That's out. That's got to be it. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, the entrance was good, wasn't it? Glacier's 2-0. and oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the snow. It's snowing again. It's snowing again. Jesus Christ. It just looks out of place for the referee with the bow tie. Yeah. You want a more... Oh, they even given the lighting oh, treatment post-match. Jesus Christ. Do you think when they did Sin Cara, they thought, you know what works? <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird because WCW is meant to be all, you know, real sporting type combat. And yeah, he's a karate dude, obviously, but all this other shit is otherworldly. This would fit right in with Max Moon or something, you know? What a tag team Glacier and Max Moon would be. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, right, so when they started doing these promos, this was pre-NWO, yeah. then the NWO came in. Is that why they delayed oh, it, do you think? Must have been. Man. A successful <laughs> debut <laughs> there on Nitro. Cheers, Bishop. Well done. Never to be seen again. Off to thunder you go, Glacier. Beautiful stuff. Back to pro. <laughs> oh, wow. Well done, WCW. That was <laughs> That'll a delight. Do, that I'm do. so glad. 
I'm so glad we watched Glacier's debut. If any, yeah. I mean, how many cornflakes would you rate Glacier's debut as? Uh, wrestling one, entrance five. Tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute. 